Hey everybody, welcome to the History of FMW. This is episode number 20. We're going to be covering the second half of 1998. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Bahu. Uh, Bahu has been covering FMW on the internet since the mid to late 90s. Yeah, 1998. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, actually, this time period. This time period was right around the time I got started. Actually, same thing, and I'll, I'll get into, you know, I'm going to... Uh, Heat, uh, Heat Wave was my first time seeing any of these guys, and uh, that's what really started it all for me. So anyway, um, so we're going to uh, go into July 6th. Um, uh, now, uh, at the end of the, well, last episode in the first half of 1998, um, FMW, they had reached a deal with a set a satellite company to start putting their shows on television and it had led to a lot of uh, changes in the business that we're going to talk about more. Where this is the episode where really FMW goes through their third—I'm uh, sorry, their third change and their third phase—that's going to lead them to the end of the the company. So um, uh, we're going to start with uh, July six. On July six, Shoshi arrived. They gave a press conference to address Fuki and Onita, and Onita held a press conference of his own on on. July 12th. Um, if you could catch us up, what are the storylines going into uh, this time period? Well, the, the press conference was to announce that FMW was going to become Entertainment Pro Wrestling. That was the new phase. That was based off signing with DirecTV. That was the, the, the direction that they were going to go on. So now everything's going to be storylines, characters. Um, they're going to hire actors to play roles that are non-wrestling roles and everything. So it's just kind of, hey, this, you know, what WWF is doing, we're going to be kind of like that. But, uh, you know, WWF is super popular at the time. And so this is going to be the first company in Japan to be different than what, you know, the New Japan, All Japan, even Big Japan with the Deathmatches strong style. This is going to be entertainment style because no other company in Japan had been doing it with WWF being really, and WCW being really hot. Right around this time period, they felt like they could kind of take advantage of this. And again, DirecTV is paying them millions of dollars um, to be kind of the leader of their company. And that this is what they want. They want the entertainment pro wrestling. So this is the official announcement that this is the direction FMW is going to go forward uh, next, uh, pretty much uh, for the rest of the company. And um, and just so people know, in uh, July of 1998, uh, Austin had won the title. He had just finished his feud with Dude Love. You know, it was the biggest time period for them, definitely. Uh, um, this goes on to July 10th, where FMW ran a ran. Hurricane Hall. Um, if you could go over that show for us. Oh yeah, the two main matches really were just uh, the Gladiator versus Yukihiro Kanemura. Um, this is pretty much right now. They don't really have a direction for the Gladiator, but they're not going to have him lose any matches. He had actually losing to Hayabusa back in March um, at the end of the uh, tournament to set up Hayabusa against Ganaske for um, the double titles. That was pretty much the last job he was going to do, and now he's just kind of not... They don't really have any idea what they want to do, but he's a monster, and they don't want to lose, so have him lose, so they're just going to have him just win in squashes and everything. And for this match, he destroys uh, Kanemura. He does a thunderous ovation from the crowd, and then the finishing spot is him... Uh, doing a kamikaze awesome bomb where he pretty much is on the top rope and delivers an awesome bomb and Kanemura 
Or like lands on the side of his neck. It looks it looks dangerous because of how he landed and everything. It's 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 a miracle he was okay after that. But um, so they're just like I said, they don't have an idea what they want to do with the gladiator, but they want they have to keep him strong and everything. And then the main event is um, Hayabusa. It's pretty much a rematch essentially of what they did the previous month on June nineteenth. Except this match is going to be a single elimination match, and it's Hayabusa, Hisagatsuoya. Daisuke Akeda and Ricky Fuji taking on Team No Respects, uh, Koto Fuyuki, Koji Nakagawa, Jado, and Ghetto. And, you know, there's a couple, you know, Ricky Fuji, Ghetto, Oya, Jado, and Akeda end up getting eliminated. About And then it leaves Hayabusa and Koji Naka, against Koji Nakagawa and Koto Fuyuki. And Fuyuki ends up unmasking Hayabusa during this match. And then that allows Nakagawa who had turned heel back on May 31st uh, and he was doing kind of a uh, Mr. Double Cross gimmick. He had turned on Onita and everything, joined Team No Respect, and now he has a fork. He's using a fork to pay homage to the Sheik um, from the early FMW days when the Sheik would use a fork as a weapon. So now Nakagawa is using it. He's using the Sheik's theme music as well. And so Nakagawa ends up using the fork to cut open Hayabusa. So Hayabusa's bleeding and everything. And then finally um, Hayabusa ends up giving Nakagawa a kick, and Nakagawa drops the fork. Hayabusa picks it up, and, you know, the big spot is Hayabusa's gonna finally, you know, get his revenge on Nakagawa, and then Nakagawa ends up spitting mist in Hayabusa's face and rolling him up for the three. So Nakagawa and Koto Fuyuki end up getting the win. Um, Goito, the Team No Respects manager, is all over the place. He ends up taking Hayabusa's mask, putting it on, mocking him and everything. And so um, Team No Respect ends up getting the win, and then they go backstage, and they see you see Hayabusa, Fuji, um, Daisuke Ikeda, and Hizagatsuoya in the locker room, and they're, you know, there's just that defeat and everything, and and Hayabusa's pissed. He grabs a chair and just throws it, and and the announcer, you know, wants to talk to him, and so he asks Hayabusa about the match, and Hayabusa bloody and is all pissed off, and you know he starts screaming at the announcer how they cheated and everything. And then it leads to Hayabusa kind of just smiling evilishly and going, you know, they want to play like this. I can play like, you know, they want to be, you know, evil. I can be evil too. And so that's just set up uh, for the following month. Hayabusa kind of showing a different side to him. This goes on to July 12th where um, uh, Megumi Kudo and Hido actually got married. Now, um, I'm just curious, you know, it's always fun knowing who were the best men and who were the other people at the uh, wedding. Uh, are there any notes from this? Yeah, a lot of the FMW wrestlers attended. Um, Hayabusa and uh, Great Sasuke attended. Um, Team No Respect. I don't know any as far as best men or anything, but um, Team No Respect was there. Goito, Nakagawa, Kanemura, um, you know, so all of Hito's friends. And then, um, you know, and, I mean, a lot of the FMW wrestlers had a relationship with Kudo and um, with Hito, you know, throughout the years and everything. And so um, it was, it's always interesting to me as far as that um, goes, because, you know, there was always that rule of you can't date, you know, the male wrestlers can't date the women wrestlers in F&W and everything. And I actually asked, um, I, I've asked, I asked Ricky Fuji about it. And I was like, what did, you know, did, what did you think about that and everything? And he's, and he just goes, why Hito? Why would she marry him? You know, type thing. And I asked Hayabusa years ago, I was like, you know, did you know about this? Because, you know, it was prohibited and everything. And Hayabusa goes, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I knew. But I didn't care. I just didn't care. Which was kind of weird how, you know, because Hayabusa and Megumi Kudo were really good friends um, years prior and everything. But, um, 
you know, like I said, everyone attended, and um, Onita actually attended as well. And you know, Onita being Onita, uh, Hido and Megumi Kudo for their wedding, you know, they actually had to treat him like the big special guest of the night and everything. They were bowing to him for appearing and everything. So, um, and a lot of the old FMW women's wrestlers attended as well. So it was a big kind of like reunion and everything um, to celebrate uh, Kudo. Because, like I said, you know, this it was prohibited and everything. And um, but yeah, it it came out right right after um, right after um, Kudo retired and everything that they were even together and whatnot. And um, they're very, actually very private about their relationship. You actually very rarely see anything about them um, together or anything. Um, but Kudo is very, um, very uh, just very positive on Hido, how pr privately she he has helped her on so many things that she can never pay him for. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting that they have this relationship where they're both two public figures that, you know, are still having a very private marriage. Um, that story makes it, makes, uh, Onita sound like, uh, uh, Michael Scott from, from, from the office. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, cool. Good for them. Um, yeah, I first heard about their marriage when Hito was in big Japan and he was doing death matches and someone was like, can you, you know, can you imagine him, you know, going home to Kudo all bloody and covered in glass and <laughs> I'm like, he's married to Kudo. Okay. So, um, moving on, uh, and, and just so, so people know, uh, uh, as FMW goes into a more storyline direction, we'll, we're probably going to talk about more, more individual shows, but, um, on July 20th, uh, uh, was it an FMW show or was it a Fuki gun show? This was an FMW show. Okay. They ran in Ibaragi Mido, and um, I'll just let you go over the show quickly. Yeah, there wasn't really too much to the show except um, Onita coming back. Um, he, uh, from from America, or actually, I mean, he, this was the first time he was wrestling in FMW since um, May 31st when Nakagawa turned on him. He took June off pretty much. And so it's just, um, and you know, we went over last episode how Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Hideki Osaka had been pretty much um, kidnapped by Team No Respect due to uh, Team No Respect beating them um, in some matches, the, the, the Onita group in some six-man matches back in May. Well, this is Onita's first return um, since May, and so now he's going to just team up with Mr. Pogo, which is Gusaku Gashigawara, and Yoshinori Sasaki, who is a FMW rookie. And they take on uh, Koto Fuyuki and Koji Nakagawa and Yukihiro Kanemura, and and Fuki ends up getting the win over Pogo pretty easily and everything. Onita's, you know, has pretty much two weak leaks to his team. Um, so Fuki gets the win over um, Pogo. And um, Hideki Osaka, well, actually, yeah, so uh, the Team No Respect group throw in uh, Shoshi Arai in the ring, and they start attacking him, the FMW owner. And so they start attacking him. Nakagawa uses his fork on Arai and everything, and, and you know, they're laying out Onita, and they're laying out Arai, and Hideki Osaka, one of the, the, the Team No Respect slaves, actually ends up coming into the ring to make the save for um, Onita and Arai. So then you see backstage, Age Arai crying and upset and everything with well, Onita and Arai really upset and whatnot over the beating that Arai took and Arai pretty much going you know I need to I need to have a match with Team No Respect I need to face um, you know they just beat me up I need to face them so that sets up a match uh, for August 11th with uh, Arai teaming up on the Onita team against the Team No Respect team. So with FMW going full blown storyline driven. Um, I just wanted to kind of ask a few questions before we go too far, and these will actually come up again in another month. But um, 
so who were the who were the people in the company lobbying to go towards the uh, the American storyline style? Well, like I said, DirecTV pretty much was like, "Hey, we're going to give you millions of dollars um, to to run on our company, you know, run on our TV station or satellite station. You're going to follow what we want, want what we want to do, and we want to go in this entertainment direction." And Shoshi Arai was like, "All right, you know." Originally, he was like, "Okay, yeah, millions of dollars, uh, you know, sign me up," and everything. And so, um, so they, but then DirecTV is like, "Okay, well, we're going to have writing and everything. We're going to have writers come up for each pay per view and everything." So. Um, you know, so the um, so Arai even went up to Hayabusa and was like, "Hey, you know, this is how we we're gonna go. Um, I mean, are you okay with this? Are you all for in on this?" And Hayabusa's like, "Yeah, let's go this direction because Hayabusa is thinking at this time period like, hey, yeah, this hasn't been done, and we've been this deathmatch company, and deathmatch equals Onita, and Onita's image is all over this company already." coming up with this image, a different type of image of, you know, entertainment and, you know, sports entertainment and entertainment pro wrestling. This could be my image. I can be the face of this company. It could kind of wash away the Onita, Onita feel of the company. So Hayabusa was all in on it. Um, Kodo Fuyuki, who, um, you know, was just one of the wrestlers he, that had been, um, he was still working for his own company, but he was being brought in regularly. I mean, pretty much he was in on these meetings also. Shoshi Arai really respected his opinion and everything. Um, you know, so then, and then Koji Nakagawa was part of the FMW kind of committee. Also the, like, just kind of the in, in on the meetings and sit through discussions and stuff. So all, all of these people are, are all in on the company going this different direction. So there really wasn't too much negative at this point. The only one that would be kind of against it is Onita. And Onita's not even showing up full time anyway. Onita's not coming to these meetings or anything to discuss the future. Onita's just going, hey, I'm showing up. Uh, you know, I'm going to take June off. Uh, July, I'll work July 20th. Um, you know, August, I'll work, you know, the 11th and the 21st. And then I'll work, you know, just things like that. I'm not going to work a full schedule or anything like that. So he would, you know, this would have been really just, you know, he would have been really the only the negative, no, the only one really negative at this point about changing direction. And they were kind of wanting to switch in this direction anyway to move away from the Onita death matches that FMW was always known for. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, but I'm just curious. Uh, who were the uh, the writers brought in? I don't know any. Um, only writer that I specifically know was was um, Sugigatsu J Toro, who is a little. Um, he was one of the commentators for the longest time for the direct TV uh, FNW shows. He's uh, one of the loud ones. Um, when, if you're ever watching, you hear that loud voice, him screaming whenever a move is done. Um, he was one of the writers. He was a um, famous uh, comedian, songwriter type thing. Like he'd make funny songs and parody songs and everything in Japan. So he was kind of well known. So, you know, they brought him in for kind of the comedy writing and everything. He's the only one that I specifically know was brought in for um, the writing team but i mean the, as far as anyone else I'm, it's just people that you wouldn't you know never had a camera roll or anything like that and as uh, far as i know and uh finally uh what what changes were made to the uh the look of the the company well, they changed their rings. The rings were now no. Uh, were they went from blue rings with the that Thunder FMW logo in the middle and everything to a red ring, and they changed the logo and everything to where it was this kind of these bold, golden FMW letters 
stairs with uh, Entertainment Pro Wrestling at the bottom and everything. So they changed the the, the look of the ring. Just everything kind of started beginning changing um, right away. I mean, they still kept some, you know, it was just, it was kind of a slow merger, but it was a merger of if this is going to be entertainment pro wrestling, like the slow build and just more and more entertainment wrestling as the years go by, even, you know, I mean, this is, seems like such a drastic change and it was, but you know, as the years go by, they even adapted more and more pro entertainment pro wrestling into FMW. But at this point, um, you know, it's just kind of the beginning stage of just of the different direction and the different look of the company. So going forward on August second, there um, ECW they held Heat Wave nineteen and ninety eight, which is probably my favorite pay per view of all time. It was my first time seeing most of you know uh, seeing um, Hayabusa, Masato, Tanaka, etc. Which I kind of just answered the question. Uh, but what was FMW's involvement with this show? Yeah, so there was uh, two FMW matches. It was um, Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. Um, like we may mention, Masato Tanaka had already appeared, started appearing um, for ECW. He started full-time um, in June at the ECW Arena. So this was his kind of coming out party on pay-per-view and everything, um, going up against Mike Awesome. And they kind of just um, did the same kind of match that they did at Kawasaki Stadium the year prior uh, on September in September 1997, and so it was kind of that. And and Masato Tanaka and uh, Mike Awesome had wrestled a couple times prior to this, um, like in Queens on ECW TV and everything. So there was a kind of a build before this pay per view match. It wasn't just dry. This wasn't you know Mike Awesome's first appearance or anything thing this year or whatnot but um so they have this a great match and it gets over so well with the ecw crowd seeing this spot where um you know tanaka had been power bombed prior um through a table over the top rope by awesome just like in fmw well this is the big spot here where tanaka gets away from the awesome bomb through the table and ends up doing an awesome bomb through the table to mike awesome um outside the ring himself and the crowd goes crazy and this is you know this uh, awesome spot this awesome match and and everything and i mean it's really what got mike uh, both mike awesome and masato tanaka over with the american crowd um long term um and then you had Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinzaki taking on Rob Van Dam and Sabu. Um, they, you know, this was a okay to good match. It's very, the opinions are very differ, um, you know, but pretty much most opinions would go, um, you know, average to good or whatnot. And I mean, there were some messed up spots and everything. Hayabusa actually, you know, his re recollection of this match is him messing up and, and all the crowd just chanting, you effed up, you effed up to him and everything. He And he always found that funny that, you know, because he's not used to that. Having, you know, Japanese crowds would never do that. And, you know, so it was kind of his, you know, his, um, you know, first time dealing with the ECW crowd and whatnot. But um, this match ends up with uh, Sabu and um, Rob Van Dam um, end up doing the, um, they set Hayabusa and Shinzaki on tables and um, do a, a dive off both uh, top turnbuckles, sending both Hibus and Shinzaki through the tables. And uh, Rob Van Dam is about to pin uh, Shinzaki and uh, Sabu pushes him out of the way to make the cover himself to get the win. And that was actually a political thing. Shinzaki had to get the loss. The FNW didn't want Hayabusa losing due to him being the champion and, and whatnot. So um, they ended up having Sabu get the pin over Shinzaki so that Sh uh, Sabu and uh, Van Dam would keep the ECW tag team titles. I, again, it was kind of built as a dream match due to the high flying and whatnot. And it was, I would still say it was a good match, but I mean, I think as far as a dream match, it was kind of a letdown. 
Um, chalk me up in one of the people. I was blown away by this match. I'll be honest. I no, thought really. yeah, it, I thought I mean, it was I the best thing I ever saw. Yeah, like I said, I liked it too. But I mean, as far as like you know, I think the the hype and everything. As far as you know, look at these four guys that are going to be in this match and everything. But I mean, again, the opinions very differ. I've seen you know for everything from this match sucked to this was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. So yeah, this is different. Very different opinions when it comes to this match. Yeah. Um. Now, um, Shinzaki wasn't on FMW guys. So um, was there any like uh, strings that had to be pulled to get him on the show? Yeah, because originally the idea was to have Hayabusa and Masada Tanaka be the tag team, but they didn't want to do that because they had to, would have to lose, and this was, you know, they didn't they didn't want Tanaka or Hayabusa losing because of um, the po because the po politics and whatnot. Hayabusa wasn't going to lose, and you know, and ECW didn't even want Tanaka to lose, so they that's why they switched Tanaka out, put him in the match with Awesome, and um, they made a deal with Michinoku Pro where um, they agreed to have Sabu show up in Michinoku Pro later that month. Um, to appear on a Michinoku Pro show. And so that was the deal. And then Sabu ended up never showing up. And so that is why the ECW Michinoku Pro um, pretty much relationship was strained right away, you know, strained right there. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, there was no answer why Sabu didn't show up and whatnot. And um, I mean, I know Sasuke ended up showing up again in ECW um, uh, a little bit later or whatnot. So they did work together. But, you know, ECW was uh, kind of known for kind of upsetting the Japanese companies over um, trade talent exchange. And this is one of them where, you know, they were promised Sabu and then Sabu just didn't show up. So um, we're going to talk about the relationship between the two, uh, the two companies uh, a lot, but um, quickly. So let me think real quick. Uh, Mike Awesome is wrestling um, borderline full-time schedule for both companies. Um, what does this, you know, what the, um, is there any pullback from either company trying to get more dates on him? Yeah, EC, I mean, ECW wants to just sign him full out. They want to just take, take him from FMW and whatnot. But um, at this point, um, you know, Awesome's still touring with FMW regularly. I mean, he's just pretty much going to ECW on his off, on when he's done with his tour. He's just working pretty much two full-time schedules at this point. Um, so he'll work, you know, the FMW tour. And again, he, at this point, he's not even having that tough of matches. He's not a, a focus anymore with the company. Um, you know, he's not the headliner or whatnot. He's just having matches where he's just destroying other guys at this point. So he is, you know, um, you know, he, he, I think he kind of even kind of sees the writing on the wall at this point that this is, you know, he's not going to be a fixture anymore with the company, but at the same time, ECW, you know, sees this big, tall guy and they think wow you know he can do these high flying moves and everything he's perfect for us so um they um you know they want to take awesome uh, they want to pull awesome out and of fmw and sign him themselves but he would end up getting injured so none of this would end up happening anyway yeah a friend of mine asked why he was such a, a big star there because he was like mike awesome he's good not great and i'm like he was six foot one by their standards that's a giant you know um, oh, he was taller. He was like six six or so. He was still, yeah. he was yeah. So he was like six six, and he was doing these high flying moves and everything. 
everything that you just never saw and you know these awesome you know the awesome bombs and just power bombs i mean like i said like <laughs> even that canamur match from uh, the month prior where i mean that's just like a spot you've never seen before in 1998 where a guy is picking up a, another guy and throwing him off an apron through you know through a table and so he's still you know st just coming up with all these these creative spots and everything that is, you know, drawing, you know, he's becoming, there's more interest in Mike Awesome because of what he's doing. Yeah. Um, now, um, you, you, uh, you wrote that Hayabusa didn't return to Japan immediately. Uh, how long did he stay there and what was he doing there? Well, no, he, he, he returned, I mean, as far as I know, you know, he, whatever the schedule was, you know, probably the fourth or something like that on a, you know, okay. Like a couple days after the heat wave, because he didn't he didn't do anything in America afterwards. But he had two weeks off. Um, you know, he missed the uh, he didn't attend the um, the show on August 11th because that was no need to show anyway. So he wasn't booked or whatnot. Um, but he ended up doing a on during his time off. He ended up um, for the Toshiba company. DVDs were coming out around this time period, and you know, everything had always been VHS and whatnot, and DVDs offered so many different capabilities that um, VHS didn't. And so Toshiba wanted to come up with an idea, it wanted to show off, like, this, look what DVDs can do. And so they had these matches filmed in this TV studio, and um, one of the matches was Hayabusa and Tusaba, or uh, Tubasa, sorry, um, against Super Delphin and Jinsei Shizaki. And they have this match again. It's in this TV building, TV studio, or whatnot, and they're filming it. And this DVD comes out, you know, it, it's like one of the very first DVDs that released in Japan. And it's the, this match where you can watch like three different angles because there's cameras all over the place. Like the referee has a camera on his head and everything. And you can like watch the match in different angles, like from the turnbuckle, from the referee's point of view, um, you know, from the, from outside the ring and everything. So, you know, it was a way to show the capabilities of DVD that you would never be able to see with the VHS or whatnot. So he did that for Toshiba um, for appearing for um, a Michinoku Pro Tour um, before the FNW Tour would start back up on August 21st. All right. So uh, going on, on August 11th, they ran Kuroken Hall. Um, if you want to go over that, over any notes from that show. Yeah, so that was an Onita show. Um, he... Uh, it was promoted under his name, and so this is a very thin uh, roster. They didn't want really have any of the FMW undercard guys or anything like that. Um, only, you know, so they just had a comedy match, and then um, Jado and Ghetto were on the show. Uh, Yuki, um, Yuki Hyde U Ueno, who was the Battle Ranger, uh, he appeared on this show. He had quit FMW three years earlier um, after Onita retired. Um, but he, you know, he has this loyalty to Onita. Onita's his teacher or whatnot. So he appeared on this show. Um, and Hideki Osaka and Tetsuhiro Kuroda, you know, the FNW slave or the Team No Respect slaves, they had a match. I mean, so it was just a, a very thin undercard. They didn't, like I said, they didn't fill it in with any of the FNW wrestlers um, for the undercard. But the main event is Asushi Onita, um, Mr. Pogo, who's Gasaku Gashigawara, uh, Yoshinori Sasaki, and Shoshi Arai taking on Koto Fuyuki, Koji Nakagawa, Yukihiro Kanemura, and um, Goito, the Team No Respect manager and everything. And and this and, um, this match is kind of one of the standard Onita brawls and everything, the brawling outside the ring and whatnot. And, you know, Goito's actually showing off some flashy moves and everything, a Hurricane Rana and whatnot, showing what he's he can do. I feel like he kind of booked this match so he could show off, look, you know, look what I can do and everything, since he was the booker um, still at this point. Um, and the ending spot pretty much has um, Onita and the Onita uh, powerbombing Goito 
And then Shoshi Arai jumping on Goito to get the pin. So Shoshi Arai ends up getting the win. Um, if he had lost, Shoshi Arai would have had to step down as president of FNW. Um, and since the Onita team won, um, now Team No Respect has to release Hideki Osaka and Tetsuhiro Kuroda. So now they are no longer the slaves um, of, of, they're no longer the slaves of Team No Respect. So, um, you know, going forward now, Onita is going to be having his own group and whatnot um, with with Pogo, Yoshinosaki, Kuroda, and Hideki Osaka as they have defeated Team No Respect in this kind of way to show, like, you know, Onita and Arai to finally get the revenge after Team No Respect have been, you know, beat up Arai and then been beating up and um, and uh, disgracing Onita the last couple months prior. So on August 16th, uh... Uh, Go Ito debuted at a Mishinoku Pro Show. Um, w w what happened with this angle? Pretty much, actually, it was Go Ito's second time appearing. He had actually appeared um, for a Mishinoku Pro Show with Ganasuke and Kanemura. It was an FNW match with Hayabusa and Shinzaki. Go Ito was the manager for uh, Kanemura and and Gonosuke for Team No Respect at the time period. So, But this is where um, Goito comes out with uh, Sasuke the Great and the Masked Tiger. And um, with and it's two uh, two guys under a ma under mask, and the guys under the mask are Masio O'Hara, who's probably best known for appearing in War. Um, he appeared on a New Japan Best of the Super Juniors tournament. Um, he's got, got the mohawk and everything. And then uh, Takeshi Ono, working for Battle Arts, um, he had like this little mini afro and everything. And they're they're punks, you know. Their characters are punks. Their you know their hairstyle and everything, their attitude, their jerks. Hey, they fit with Team No Respect. Then you know they have this disrespect towards other wrestlers and everything. So they're a perfect fit, even though they aren't FNW wrestlers. So Goito comes out with them. Um, Goito has a Sasuke mask also uh, and you know they're doing the team no respect dance and everything and just um, and it's they're going to take on um, the great Sasuke and uh, Yuki Ishikawa who He's also in a mask for this match. So it's like a four, uh, you know, Sasuke Tiger match type match. Um, but yeah, so this is kind of the introduction that Sasuke the Great and Masio, or sorry, Sasuke the Great, who is Masio O'Hara, and the Masked Tiger, Takeshi Ono, are going to be Team No Respect members also, as they're going to start working for FMW going forward as well. Okay. Um, going on, um, on... Uh... On August 21st, uh, there's two back-to-back -back shows. Um, FMW, they ran Kawasaki on August 21st. Are there any notes from that show? Yeah, well, this was the first show with the FNW, the red FNW ring. This is the first official, like, entertainment pro wrestling, FMW. This is the, the that stage has now begun with this show. And the um, beginning is, uh, the beginning of the show has Team No Respect coming out for their, their you know, brief brother dance and they're in their underwear and everything like that. And, um, um, as Sushi Onita comes out with, uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, Mr. Pogo and Yoshinori uh, Sasaki. And they're in this outfit. That's like, he, it's kind of like a suit, um, at the, at the top half is a suit, and then there's like just this cloth covering their um, private area, uh, front and back. And Onita comes out, and it's kind of and and introduces his new group, and it's gonna be called T Team Zero. The 
They're starting from the beginning. They don't even have pants, real, you know, legitimate pants. That's how, you know, kind of like the symbol of it, that they're starting from nothing. They don't even have anything covering, they're really covering themselves and whatnot. And they want to take on Team No Respect. So it's, they're going to go to war with Team No Respect and everything, kind of continue the Onita Team No Respect feud. And so the... The main event is Kodoku Yuki, Koji Nakagawa, Yuki Hiro Kanemura uh, against Asushi Onida, Mr. Pogo, Mr. Pogo 2, Gosaku Goshiguera, and Yoshinori Sasaki. And again, it's just kind of a brawl and everything, uh, you know, the standard Onida brawl and whatnot. And Fuki ends up getting the win over uh, Mr. Pogo 2, just the standard match uh, whatnot. And then afterwards, Onida's pissed off, and he's backstage throwing things, and he's all upset. And he makes a challenge with Team No Respect, um... You know, he wants to end the Brief Brothers, them coming out in their underwear and everything like that for the last uh, six months or so, seven months. And, you know, he's sick of this and their style. So he wants to hit them where it hurts. And he challenges them to a match um, where they're going to put up their briefs. The Team No Specs put up their brief and Team Zero will put up their kind of like cloth kilt like um, or kind of skirt like uh, outfit in a future match um, to do, you know, just. So Onita can do away with the Brief Brothers. Um, the next night on August 22nd, FNW, they held a show in a television studio. And um, uh, it seems like this is really where, you know, the new... Anyway, you can talk about, you know, the new phase is here. So if you want to go over this show, uh, go ahead. Yeah, this is a new phase. Because, like I may mention, the the day before was the beginning of the you know the tour, and it was the beginning of the direction. So this is just the second show, but it's the big pay per view show and everything. So this show is broadcasted on pay per view. It's called Welcome to the Dark Side or Welcome to Dark Side, and it's to show off Hayabusa and, and the Dark Side character. Um, but yeah, so this show it's just in a, studio, a TV studio and whatnot and um you know they had the gladiator like i said he didn't really have direction so he just wins three squashes against uh night neohiko yamazaki yoshinori sasaki and mr pogo gasako gashigawara uh, and then uh koto fuyuki and yukihiro kanamura they're the tag team champions at this point they had defeated uh masato tanaka and hayabusa back in may um so they're challenge they're actually taking on jado and ghetto in a team no respect uh friendly match and everything and prior to this match shoshi arai it's like i said so um you know it's a tv studio and they have this little like beach set uh, um right by the ring where it's uh actually megumi kudo sitting on a lawn chair it's shoshi arai He's sitting in a lawn chair, and he introduces his niece, a, a woman playing his niece, uh, Keoruko Arai. And, you know, she's a 16, 17-year-old girl or something like that, maybe maybe 18, I don't know. And, um, she, you know, so Arai's showing her off and everything. This is my niece. She's coming to the show and whatnot. So after um, Fuyuki and Kanemura, they get the win over Jado and Ghetto when Fuyuki pins Ghetto uh, to defend the titles. And afterwards, Goito... Uh, you know, they go up to Arai and everything and distract him and whatnot. And Goito ends up grabbing uh, Keoruko Arai, Arai's niece, and lifts her over his sh shoulder and kidnaps her and takes off with her and everything. Um, and then, um, so then the main event, um, going back to that July 10th show where no Nakagawa defeated Hayabusa and Hayabusa or in that single elimination tag match and Hayabusa got all upset and was like, you know, you want to see evil, I can be evil. So this is the beginning uh, this is the introduction to Dark Side Hayabusa. He has new theme music, um, and you know the TV studio helped him 
in the sense of you know they turn the lights off and you see this um at the entrance you see this giant shadow figure of dark side hayabusa and the mu- like i said the music's coming out and are playing and hayabusa comes out walking like a zombie um he's now has like a horn mask he's an all black um he sticks you know, sticks his tongue out to the camera and everything with his tongue all red, trying to look, you know, it's kind of a, like kind of a um, Kijimuto being the great Muta and everything, you know, kind of having a different evil side character to, um, you know, the already, you know, the standard character. And so this is, you know, his dark side, dark side Hayabusa and everything. Um, and he takes on Koji Nakagawa. Um, and this is not a good match at all. Um, it goes 20 minutes. And, I mean, Hayabusa and Nakagawa, they've had some stinkers in the past, and this is one of them. Uh, Hayabusa just it just doesn't click. I think Hayabusa does a dive over the top rope um, with Nakagawa on a table, and the table doesn't break. And then so Nakagawa's just on this table, and Hayabusa has to do, like, a jump, jumping leg kick to break the table. And it's just kind of awkward. And, you know, only 50 people are in this crowd. So, I mean, even if it was this great match, you weren't going to get that much great heat the show you know great heat for the match or anything like that and um the ending is goito trying to interfere with uh for koji nakagawa um and this you know hayabusa ends up uh laying out uh koji or laying out goito with a tombstone pile driver and everything and so he's doing a new move and whatnot that he would never do otherwise and then uh um, the Hayabusa looks like he's about to finally finish off Koji Nakagawa, and the lights turn out and goes completely pitch black, and um, you end up the lights turn back on, and you see Hayabusa laid out. You see a man in all white walking away uh, from the stage. So you just get a very brief glimpse of of a man in all white, and Hayabusa's laid out, and Koji Nakagawa, who had been laid out by Hayabusa, ends up making kind of rolling over to make the cover on Dark Side Hayabusa. And so Nakagawa ends up getting the win over Hayabusa, Dark Side Hayabusa. And Dark Side Hayabusa still goes crazy and everything. He's all upset that he's lost again to Nakagawa and whatnot. And Hayabusa actually hated doing this gimmick. Um, he he hated the horns. He, he felt like he couldn't do anything with the horns that are um, set attached to, you know, set with the mask and everything. So this was a character that was rarely ever used. Um, Hayabusa was not a fan of this gimmick after having this match. Now, you wrote that there there were only like 50 fans there. Uh, were these fans actual fans or were they plants by uh, the studio? Um, I don't know exactly. I would imagine that they are fans, uh, you know, actual fans and whatnot, because the real sit, like, usually if it's like a studio and you're, you know, you're paying or free tickets, then, you know, they're kind of part of, like, they're kind of shown more, but you don't even really see the fans um, for this show. You know, there's kind of in the backs, so, like, the TV cameras don't really even catch them or anything. So I think it was just, I would imagine it was you know, either paid fans or hey, a VIP FMW fan club only can attend this show. Um, you know, things like that. So I imagine they're real fans. They weren't like staged or anything because if they were staged, there was really no reason to have them since there was no, they offered nothing to the show. And in general, what is the, you know, how are fans taking the, um, uh, the new content? Well, a lot of fans are, um, upset about it. I mean, and, and at this point it's so new 
that I wouldn't even say that it's picked up on yet, really. But as we go through, as we go by, and it's more and more entertainment. Yeah, there, they, a lot of the FMW fans leave. But here's the thing, FMW, the whole reason they started this whole direction, going to DirecTV and let's go to entertainment pro wrestling, was because that hardcore wrestling style that they had done, due to the bubble bursting and everything, they were already the fans were already declining. So there was this set of yeah, we love hardcore wrestling, we love hardcore wrestling. Well, those fans are already, you know, before this even changed had even started they're already starting to go away and whatnot so they see a a decline and so you know you're not going to you know they're already leaving under the hardcore wrestling style so the plan is let's change directions and let's bring in a whole new fan base because that hardcore wrestling fan base they're declining already so let's get in a new fan base and maybe this will explode maybe this will get big you know so they um so they lost a lot of fans through this but they were fans that were already in the decline but and they but they did gain um a set of new like entertainment pro wrestling fans they had their fan base and everything but the issue was was it really wasn't enough whether it's because of the actual entertainment wrestling aspect or whether it's because you know it's late 1998 and wrestling's not as popular anymore as it was in 1995 1996 or you know even earlier than that so i mean there was that kind of that double-edged sword uh if the possibility of wh- what is it but going forward you know their mission is hey we're going forward with this entertainment pro wrestling we lose the hardcore wrestling fans oh well you know and at this point you know there's some shows that aren't doing well or whatnot but i mean you know it's it's still kind of steady of what it was where um you know not every show is a bomb i mean they're still successful successful shows and they you know run they're still running successful shows you know here and there or whatnot it's not it's not a sinking ship by any means at this point so it's kind of like hey let's let's make this change now um while we're still kind of relevant before you know or otherwise we're gonna make have to make this change when we're pretty much already dead so it was just kind of getting you know you know starting a new direction while they still could and you know yeah they lost some fans but you know, they're hoping to gain a whole new fan base at this point. The parallels to watching WCW go down are just, you know, very, very there. Um, so on se- September 1st, um, they ran a show in Sapporo. So- um, if you want to go over that show. Yeah, so that's their big Sapporo show. Um, again, the, you know, the bubble has bursted and everything. Um, I keep mentioning that, but, you know, it, the this show did 4,750 fans. So, um, um, so they're not making the money that they used to with Sapporo. Sapporo in 1995, 1996, even, you know, or they were sellouts and everything, and, you know, 6,500 fans. Now they're drawing 4,750 fans. And that's, this is with Onita in the main event and everything. And, um, but the two top matches are Hayabusa defeating Hitsugatsu Oya. Um, you know, they've had that rivalry, um, for the previous three years, having great matches and everything. And, um, you know, this match is just a stand. Standard, um, you know, Hayabusa Oya match with Hayabusa end up getting the win over Oya to defend his FNW double titles. And um, the main event is Asushi Onida, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, Hideki Osaka, and Mr. Pogo, uh, Team Zero, taking on Team No Respect of Koto Fuyuki, Koji Nakagawa, Yuki Hiro, Kanemura, and Hito. This is another one of those Onida brawls. They have a ladder, um, you know, just a street fight pretty much. And, um, you know, they, they actually bring in a crutch um, because, uh, you know, previously Onida had been hit by um, Nakagawa, you know, with like kind of two by four or whatnot. And they're, and prior in 
prior to that, you know, Guito hit Nakagawa with a crutch and everything. And so there's just kind of this standard weapon and, uh, that they've used. And so anyway, Onita finally kind of gets his revenge on Fuyuki in this match. Um, he smashes the crutch over Fuyuki. He gets the Thunder Fire Power Bomb on Fuyuki. So this is Onita's big win over Fuyuki finally after putting him over in a singles match and losing in the tag match uh, back in May on May 31st uh, after Nakagawa turned on Onita. So this is um, Team Zero, you know, getting their final, finally getting their revenge over Team No Respect. And like I made mention earlier, this was the match where Team No Respect put up their briefs in return for Team Zero putting up like their little cloth covering their, um, re, you know, crotch region or whatnot or private region. And um, so they, after this match, uh, team No Respects puts the 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 Team No Respect or sorry the Team Zero puts Team No Respects briefs on a uh, crucifix and so they crucify the uh, white boxer briefs and and so th this is the end of Team No Respect using the briefs they no longer ever went back to the white underwear or anything like that so this was the big you know Onita finally getting his revenge although I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say it was particularly worth losing a singles match and getting turned on and getting humiliated all this just to get you know a tag team victory win over Fuyuki. Mm. Um, one name on this show that I saw um, and uh, he wrestles for for uh, most of the rest of the the year is uh, Muhammad Yone. Um, who was this? This uh, Satoshi Yoniyama, but he's been going as Muhammad, Muhammad Yone um, for the last 20 years or so. Uh, he was a battle arts wrestler. Um, and so battle arts and FMW were working together at this point. Um, you know, Daisuke Kato was battle arts wrestlers and he was already, uh, working full time and everything. So this was to get, um, you know, battle arts was now going to start be bringing in more FM or be but more battle arts guys were going to start showing up in FMW and in return, FMW guys were working battle arts, big shows and everything. So there's just a talent exchange. Uh, Yone would end up, uh, um, he's pretty much been, uh, with Noah pretty much least last 10 years or so. So, um, he's, you know, he's been around and everything. He's been a big fixture with the Noah promotion, uh, for the longest time. Um, so, and he's still currently on their roster and, and everything working in 2018. So get, he's pretty much, he's best known as the guy with the big Afro and everything. So on September 3rd, they, uh, um, they shot a big angle outside of a show and they brought back Mr. Pogo. Um, if you want to go over the angle, you know, what is the angle? What is he doing here? Yeah, so this match is um, has, on September 3rd. It's Koji Nakagawa, Yuki, Hiro Kanemura, and Hito defeating um, Onita, uh, Pogo, and Yoshinori Sasaki in a no-ropes barbed wire match. You know, they're still having having them every so often, and this was just one of them. And um, afterwards, um, yeah, so the uh, Onita and all of them are brawling outside and whatnot, and then Mr. Pogo arrives, and he attacks uh, Gosaku Gashigawera. You know, Gosaku is using the Mr. Pogo gimmick that Mr. Pogo st stowed upon him after he retired in 1997, you know, 1996 and gave, the, gave him the gimmick in 1997. So he's kept the name, and as a result of Mr. Pogo coming back, uh, Mr. Pogo has always had to go under the name Great Pogo. And so pretty much technically the great Pogo comes out and he attacks, throws a fireball at Gasako and everything and issues the challenge to Onita. You know, I want a match with you here going forward. I want her, I want, you know, to kill you again, Onita, everything. Let's reunite this feud and, and whatnot. So this is just to um, pretty much, like I said, reunite the Onita Pogo feud. Um, because right now also, like, this is the house show. And I told you, like, Onita 
Um, you know, he'll work certain shows and whatnot. And a big thing is, you know, some of these promoters, they want Onita on top. You know, hey, I, I don't really know wrestling all that well, but I know Onita's a draw. You know, I know him more than, you know, this Hayabusa guy or whatnot. So certain shows, they want Onita on top um, to uh, to main event in a barbed wire match because, you know, five years ago, that was a really, really big thing that drew a lot of money and whatnot. So, you know, there are there's still some, kind of this nostalgia thing for Onita. Onita and whatnot, and kind of using that, bringing back the old um, barbed wire and, you know, deathmatch gimmick, and even with the FNW change in direction and whatnot. So this was one of those shows, and, you know, um, Onita going forward uh, kind of wanted to have some of these matches with Pogo and everything. So because he, that's just Onita and Pogo, just they just fit better than Onita versus Fuyuki or whatnot, especially with after the Onita Fuyuki feud. Onita wasn't going to get a singles win over Fuyuki. He got his big tag team victory win. So there was no reason to like, hey, let, let me continue this Onita-Fuyuki feud because I'm never going to get a win over Fuyuki at this point. Now, um, um, so what is the relationship between Big J Big Japan and FMW in uh, both companies using Zing Pogo? Because at this time, Pogo uh, Pogo was involved in the uh, the Big Japan Deathmatch uh Title tournament. Um, he had won the title before losing it, so he was he was still a main player in that company. So how was he balancing both companies? Yeah, so it was just pretty much Mr. Pogo coming in for FNW tours. I mean, he, and he wasn't a full time wrestler for FNW, but it would just he'd pop up on a certain show or two when there was an off day for Big Japan, and so it, that's really all the relationship at this point was with FNW and Big Japan was hey, we'll let you have Mr. Pogo for certain shows and everything, so Pogo could make some extra money and fight Onita and whatnot. You know, probably Onita might have requested or asked for this, you know, this favor or whatnot, but um, none of the FNW wrestlers were like working for F big japan or anything so there was no like talent exchange or or whatnot okay now um with fmw going in in you know uh, uh going in the um uh the wrestling entertainment uh style uh where does mr pogo fit and does the television company have any say in this like are they saying hey we don't really want the blood the barbed wire like how does pogo fit into the new company well, he's not in any TV matches at this point, so um, he, you know, he's not he ha, he doesn't wrestle any pay-per-view matches until the big November Yokohama show. Um, so his matches are just house show matches, and like I said, I'm sure the that's controlled by the promoters. The promoters are probably like, we want Onita versus Pogo. That made money in 1995. Let's have that match, you know, again. And I mean, it's you know, it's different. Yeah, it's 1998. It's three years different. But, you know, it's. It's not 20 years difference, though. It's, so it was still kind of fresh, uh, even, or, you know, as far as the promoters going, hey, it was only three years ago. But three years, 1998, 1995 are a big difference. So it wasn't really a fresh match, even though the promoters go, hey, three years ago, this was a money match. So, um, so again, this was um, just pogo wrestling on house shows having the blood and death matches were really just house show matches um they didn't wrestle on they didn't have these matches on like the pay-per-view shows or anything like that those were specifically for the entertainment direction and, and onita didn't even wrestle in, on them up again until the november yokohama show gotcha um so uh going on on set the uh so fmw they ran a show on september 8th at kuroken hall um, if you want to go over any any um, 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 notes or angles from this show. 
Oh, yeah, there really wasn't too much on this show. Um, it was just kind of a standard show, really. Uh, Koji Nakagawa defeated Tetsuhiro Kuroda. He ended up, this was um, to push Nakagawa. He's going to challenge for Hayabusa's title, uh, the, the double titles at the next pay-per-view. So this was just to keep him strong. And then the main event is Hayabusa and Daisuke Ikeda defeating Yuki, uh, Yuki Kanemaru and Koto Fuyuki. Um, it's just a standard match and, and whatnot. You know, around this time period, I last episode we talked about, you know, there was this great match and this great match, and you know, every month there was this four-star great match or crazy brawl, great match style style match and whatnot. And things have kind of cooled down um, and whatnot around this time period as far as the actual like work rate of the, of the promotion and whatnot. Um, so, but I mean, this was by no means a bad match, but I wouldn't say it was anything off the charts at all either. And so. Um, um, you know, it's just Hayabusa defeating Kanemura, and it's to pretty much just, like I said, kind of set up for future shows. It's kind of um, a, pretty much just, um, what's the word, pretty much just like a uh, build-up show, uh, essentially, for the next month or so going forward. And it also kind of to set up um, Hayabusa and Koto Fuyuki, they're going to be the next, you know, that's going to be the next money match that uh, um, going forward for the company. And then on September 20th, uh, uh, Gun they ran a show in Tokyo that drew like 4,000 people. Um, why did this show draw so well, and what was the, uh, the main matches? Well, it was, uh, yeah, the Tokyo Araki uh, Rainbow Stage, which is a concert um, a venue. I mean, it's outside, but it was like a venue or whatnot. So it, it carried a lot of fans and, and whatnot. Now, I don't, I don't believe it sold out by any means or whatnot. So I think it was just a big massive land area and whatnot for the show. So, um, you know, I, I never heard of it as far as like his big financial success or, or whatnot, but you know, it was a big show. And like you said, drew 4,000 fans. So it was, um, but it had, um, Hayabusa uh, defending his uh, FNW double titles against Jado, and this is just, you know, Hayabusa getting the standard win, uh, defeating Jado, um, I believe at the Falcon Arrow, and then, but afterwards was the big angle with uh, Koto Fuyuki, Koji Nakagawa, and Ghetto hitting the ring. If Fuyuki goes, this is my show, I'm the promoter, I can make the matches, and I'm going to make a match right now, and it's going to be uh, Koto Fuyuki, you know, we're going to all just beat the crap out of Hayabusa, and we're going to have a match, and this is going to be a match. Well, Ricky Fuji ends up running to the ring to make the rescue for Hayabusa, because Hayabusa, in, in this process, he gets his mask um, taken off, he's bloodied, uh, he gets sit through a table and everything, so actually Ricky Fuji's working this match three-on-one, while Hayabusa is carried off to the back, maskless and bloody, and Ricky Fuji ends up uh, holding his own for a little while until Hayabusa rushes back into the ring with a new mask, and he comes in, um, you know, and fights off Fuyuki and Nakagawa and Ghetto, but eventually uh, Fuyuki, and after about 10 minutes or so, Fuyuki puts away Hayabusa to get the win, and so now Fuyuki has defeated the champion, even though Hayabusa had just defeated Jado, and so Nakagawa and Fuyuki have wins, um, you know, pretty much multiple wins, and wins over the last month and a half or so over Hayabusa, so now they both get title shots. Nakagawa's going to get a title shot on October 6th against Hayabusa, and then Fuyuki is going to get the big um, November 20th double title shot at Yokohama. And going on, uh, the next show is going to be on the 24th in Shizuoka. 
Yeah, so this is um, the match where uh, Mr. Pogo, the great Pogo, he uh, makes his de- his re-debut with um, FMW. And so this is Onita, Hideki Osaka, and Mr. Pogo um, against the great Pogo. Yukihiro, Kanemura, and Hito. And this is just, you know, the standard Onita and Pogo match that uh, from 1995. Pogo's using his sickle to, to cut Onita in the back. And so Onita's bloody and everything. And also, um, Team Zero, when they were, when they wrestle, they're kind of like wearing these like American football outfits, and, or at least Onita is and, and whatnot. I think like, like the other wrestlers are kind of like, wearing like suspenders and over or overalls and stuff like that but onita he has kind of like these like uh like a, a jersey and like like i said like american football pants and whatnot so um you know but they're just covered in blood during this match and pogo's doing his his pogo things like i said using the sickle and everything so this was again just kind of let's have you know let's see if this can be the draw and onita can have his kind of match and you know and you know kenamura and hito and and they're up for death matches whenever and so this is like the like i said the 1995-1994 onita pogo death match and uh onita ends up uh getting the win over hito um afterwards and like i said um it's just kind of the standard Onita Pogo brawl, blood everywhere, fire or whatnot. But um, Pogo would actually, this is, he goes as great Pogo, but um, Pogo would appear five days later and he would take on Gosaku Gashikawera, Mr. Pogo, and they actually would have a match. Uh, great Pogo against Mr. Pogo and great Pogo would end up getting the win and he'd win his back, his name. So after um, he defeated Gosaku, he would return back as Mr. Pogo um, on September 29th. And um, uh, the two of them are good friends at this point, right? Yeah, because, yeah, um, Pogo, you know, he well, it was kind of one of those, like, you're my student type things. Like, I, you're, I, I'm your mentor. And, and it was so when he retired, it was, hey, okay, you can have my gimmick and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, like I said, Pogo stowed the gimmick upon him um, to give him a character and everything finally. But... Once he, you know, once he went to Big Japan and everything, and he was the great Pogo, it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you have to go by a different name because there is a Mr. Pogo already in FMW. All right, let's let's get you your name back because everyone knows you as Mr. Pogo. That's who you're you're most famous for. You're most, you know, most people don't know you as a great Pogo. Um. So, uh, before we go on, I just want to mention that um, around th- this time, Awesome, uh, Awesome suffered a series of injuries to his leg, first his uh, ankle, and then his knee and um um how long was awesome out for yeah so he injured ended up injuring him, himself on an fmw tour against super leather um and then so he was and then ecw got him to work a show um like the month later or so and yeah so he ended up suffering a fracture and he's really bad off and he's had knee problems already to begin with. Um, so he would end up being out pretty much 10 months or so. And, um, that's the end of Mike awesome in FMW. Um, when he got back, he felt like the change in the direction of the company with, uh, entertainment pro wrestling and Fuki and everything was just different and he could make money, better money elsewhere. So, um, he actually would end up going back to all Japan when he, right after he gets, uh, the full recovery or whatnot. So I believe he came back in August actually. So yeah, about 10 months, uh, August 99. So he was out for about nine, 10 months or so um, with the, with these, after these multiple injuries he suffered. All right. So now Onita is going to make an announcement, which is, we're going to talk about this for probably quite a while. Um, so um, he announced that he's going to leave F F M W 
uh, and he's going to form another group called USO, U-S-O. Um, we'll go bit by bit through this. Uh, what was USO? Yeah, so this is pretty much Onita going, all right, FMW is going to be entertainment wrestling. They've decided Hayabusa's the guy. I'm not going to work for this company where it's just Hayabusa's on top and I'm number two. That's not happening. And they refuse to let me be on top now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start my own company. It's called, yeah, cool, called USO, USO, and it's, which means liar or lie in Japanese. And, you know, that was his gimmick, Mr. Liar, after coming back from retirement, after lying about the May 5th, 1995 retirement. So he's coming up with his he's come up with the idea of I'm going to have my own promotion, but it's going to have all the FMW wrestlers on it. So essentially it's going to be, there's going to be two FMW promotions. There's going to be the Hayabusa FMW and there's going to be the Onita FMW. And the only difference is, is I Onita won't be appearing on FMW shows and Hayabusa won't be appearing on Uso shows. So it's going to be essentially two FMW companies and, um, you know, going back and forth and everything. Um, and, you know, it's a way for Onita to stay on top and to have his way. And, you know, so he doesn't have to put up with the, the crap and whatnot. And he can make the decision. It's his own company. He doesn't have to listen to Goito or, you know, hey, we're going to go and this direction and whatnot he can you know have these barbed wire matches and these death matches again and be the top guy and relive his glory and everything and you know and at this point you know he feels like his character is suffering he's not getting his over with the fnw crowd the new crowd and whatnot and you know he, this isn't 1995 he's not beloved like he was and what he was for all these years now he's kind of seen as like okay you know you're old and over the heel and everything and you're not that good a wrestler and all right we've seen this before and you know you're stale and everything and you know so he's not even you know accepted by the fans the you know the, especially these new type of fans that they're bringing in and everything and um so again this was just a way for him to kind of try and win kind of have his own way and because he wasn't going to be the new top he wasn't gonna be the top guy of fmw anymore it was a shoot. I mean, Onita was going to have his own company and everything, and this was going to be a deathmatch company, and so he, he would have his own way and, you know, have his own, own direction and whatnot. So it was just kind of a plan that he had um, to, and I think he also felt like he was, he could get, you know, more beloved and more loved, you know, or more accepted than Hayabusa's FMW to be like, hey, look, my my FMW is bigger, my FMW is better, and everything. But the problem was, is the FMW guys didn't want to follow Onita. You know, they were getting sick of Onita at this point, and they didn't want to have, um, they didn't want to go in his direction. They didn't want to follow him. You know, they wanted to follow Hayabusa. So we'll get into here in a minute. But they, um, you know, there's a big conflict big um you know issue with hey onita just going oh you know kenamura hosaka uh, uh ricky fuji all you guys you're gonna all compete on my shows after the fnw tour is over so uh but we'll get into that in here in a minute and um you wrote um just kind of one line i want to ask if you have anything more more to say about it but you wrote that onita was being sabotage by the booking um like what do you mean by that well just having like i said earlier like he was having to put fuki over he was you know losing all these matches having to get um you know a foot you know a boot stuck in his mouth and everything and getting turned on and all this having to put over fuki in a singles match almost almost clean and everything and then his big win is a tag team win over Fuyuki and and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, just sabotaged in the sense of yeah. I mean, 
they weren't letting Onita be Onita. They weren't letting him, you know, get his win, you know, his win back and, and everything. So they were pushing Team Norshek. That was the idea, you know, but at this time, the locker room, the backstage, they're all just so tired and sick of Onita and what he, you know, th- you know, he's not even the top guy anymore. And, you know, and he's making all the rules and I'm going to do this and you're going to do this. And like I said, he's treating um, the wrestlers, you know, um, like, like, you know, just like they're like his little kids and I can slap you around if I want because I'm mad. And if I'm in a bad mood, I can, I can scream at you and whatnot. And okay. When you're a rookie and everything, you can put up with that. But now you're, you know, you're, you know, like a Ghanaske or Kanemura, you know, or whatnot. You're seven years in, you're 30 years old. You're, you know, you're in your prime. You just showed here in the last couple months, you're a great worker. You can get over on your own. And hey, you know, Onita, you lied. You can't, you left us and everything. And we had to start over without you and start up a whole new FNW because you left. And now you just come back and you feel like everything's back to normal. So the wrestlers were kind of getting sick of Onita also. And, you know, but like I said, so like all this is affecting Onita in the storyline where, yeah, Onita isn't the star and he's not even getting his wins back, which, you know, Onita being such having such power, you think he would. But there was such a strong no, Onita, you're not getting what you want. We're putting our foot down finally after all these, you know, pretty much after all these years essentially since you've been back and we're we're not going to let you run over the run the company and be the top guy. And this isn't going to be 1994 FMW. Um, I have to admit, I'm kind of rooting for Onita in most of these instances. <laughs> but anyway, um, so on October 6th, um, FNW, they run Kuroken Hall. Uh, if you want to go over uh, the show for us. Yeah, so the two main matches for this show um, pretty much were um, Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Yukihiro Kanemura. Um, and uh, this is kind of Kuroda. We're going to start pushing Kuroda's um going forward and everything where he had been, you know, kind of always just this mid card or jobber, everything throughout pretty much since 1993. So they're going to finally kind of start giving him a push and whatnot. And, um, so Tetsuhiro Kuroda ends up getting the biggest win of his career over Yukihiro Kanemura. He ends up, uh, you know, debuting this like running through the crowd um, with a lariat over Kanemura, and Kanemura busts open, gets busted open really bad uh, for for Kuroda, and really just puts him over strong. Kuroda gets a clean win over Kanemura, and um, you know who's a big name at this point and everything. He just main evented um, Kawasaki Stadium against Onita just a year ago at this point. So this was a big win, and afterwards. Uh, the lights go out, and um, Mr. Ganaske, and I may mention um, last episode where, you know, Mr. Ganaske, he had injured his leg um, really badly against Hayabusa, and he was um, doing a Team No Respect skit with uh, Kanemura and all that um, on a house show in Nagasaki in May. And, Kanemura, you know, Ganaske starts giving a little attitude back to Kanemura, and they start bickering and everything. And, Ganaske, you know, Ganaske ends up walking away from Team No Respect, and you, they take a picture of Ganaske as he's leaving the elevator and he does this prey symbol with his hands and so that's the last you see of ganasuke for months and months and then you see ganasuke in all white in the in the jinsei shinzaki outfit and it actually it turns out you know but and this is never followed up with or anything like that but ganasuke was the one that that uh came in when the lights turned Turned off and attacked Hayabusa um, with the power bomb and laid him out with the power bomb when the lights were out and barely, you know, was walking away as the lights came back on. Again, they never even addressed that, but that's who it was. It was Ganosuke attacking Hayabusa? Um, but now Ganosuke is in his uh, Jinsei Shinzaki 
uh, Buddhist gimmick. And so he's coming back, and fans are chanting Ganasuke and everything. You know, they hadn't really seen him in six months and whatnot, so they're excited to see Ganasuke and whatnot. And so he comes to the ring in his his Buddhist outfit, and Kuroda puts his arm out after uh, defeating Kanemura, and Ganasuke just gives him the praise symbol and then walks away. And so that sets up got Mr. Ganasuke, uh, his return match against Tetsuhiro Kuroda. And the main event is um, Hayabusa versus Koji Nakagawa. Um, this is a lot better than their uh, dark side match. Uh, welcome, you know, the dark side Hayabusa match back in August. It's still not any, anything great, but it's a good match. And Hayabusa gets his arm cut up really bad by Nakagawa's fork. So Hayabusa's arm is um, bleeding um, throughout the match. But, you know, Hayabusa is able to at least deliver some good high spots. He delivers a, he runs across the ring over, um, and does the tope over the top turnbuckle and everything on Nakagawa on the outside. And he hits a Firebird 450 splash on Nakagawa, um, ends up finally getting the win over Nakagawa um, with a Falcon Arrow. And so that's the end of the Hayabusa-Nakagawa feud um, for the last couple months. Hayabusa finally has got his win. He defended his FNW double titles um, over Nakagawa and uh, Fuyuki comes out and they all seem no respect had their champagne and everything. They were ready for the big celebration of Nakagawa winning the titles for team no respect, but now they're going to have to hold the, the champagne on ice or whatnot because they, not, Hayabusa has won. Well, Fuyuki's all upset that Hayabusa, you know, wins. So he takes the champagne and he ends up um, uncorking it and the champagne just sprays all over Hayabusa's face. Uh, or his mask and everything. So that's to set up uh, Hayabusa versus Koto Fuyuki uh, for the big Yokohama Bunka Gym uh, main event show in November. Now, um, also on the show, um, Dave wrote, now you didn't write this, but Dave did. Uh, Dave wrote that um, they did some angle backstage where um, Onita wanted to form a team with Hayabusa. Um, um, do you know, like, was this, uh, was, but obviously this never ever happened. So no, was this... It, yeah, go ahead. It, 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 it wasn't at this show. It was just around this time period um, uh. in early October or so. Um, but Onita wasn't at this show. But, yeah, they took photos t together, um, you know, just kind of shaking hands and everything. Onita was a face. Hayabusa was a face. Um, I, again, I'd never heard this. But, I mean, like I said, I have seen the pictures of Onita and, and Hayabusa shaking hands. And at this point, Hayabusa is not a fan of Onita. He knows what Onita's been doing. And, and everything, but he can't, you know, say anything because Onita is still Onita and everything. Um, you know, he doesn't have that, you know, Onita's still going to always have that seniority over Hayabusa and just the culture in Japan is you just, you know, you can't, you know, hey, F you, Onita, you're screwing me over. You know, that's not the culture in Japan or anything. So Hayabusa just kind of always has to take it, but you can just tell in this picture, you know, they're not close friends at all at this point. And, um, but yeah, so if, if Onita were to say I want a tag match, what I'm guessing is Onita just wanted to have a tag match and, you know, and, and just as, just to have had it. And I mean, I'm guessing it was just talk. It never happened or anything like that. And, and it might even possibly have been like, Hey, look, I'm more over than Hayabusa or, you know, let me do the Onita theater with Hayabusa to show like, Hey, look, the fans still love me. You know, you know, there was always kind of a, you know, a, kind of a second way of Onita, you know, kind of a master plan. So, I mean, that's just me speculating, but as far as I, you know, I mean, it never happened or whatnot, but as far as I know, yeah, I would just guess that Onita just had, you know, something else in mind when he wanted the tag match that never happened. Uh, you wrote around this time that Ken Nomura, um he was having issues with his uh, 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 burned shoulder. Uh, what was going on? 
Yeah, he had to cover his uh, shoulder up. Um, you know, you know, when you get a severe burn or so, it um, it can affect you up to like seven years or so. So this is about year five or so, and just the scarring, the tissue, and everything were just giving him issues. And so he had to just uh, for a couple months, he had to um, cover up his shoulder with this you know heavy bandage and everything. So um, for about two months, he just has this heavy bandage on his shoulder um due to the uh fire uh the getting fire or getting power bombed into fire by Jado and ghetto uh back in 1993 so it's just kind of something that ends up happening due to such a severe burn and uh you know just was there for a couple months and um ended up healing eventually fully after this um and later on not too far after this he started doing the glass matches i wonder uh i'm sure that 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 wasn't good for still still healing scar tissue. Anyway, yeah. um, so um, they ran a show on October 26th in Chiba. Uh, what are the notes from there? Um, this was a tag team match um, with Hayabusa and Daisuke Ikeda. They defeated Koto Fuyuki and Yukihiro Kanemura so, for the FNW Brass Knuckles tag team titles. Um, this is just to get the titles off of Fuyuki and Kanemura, put them on Hayabusa and Ikeda, establish them as just, you know, hey, this is the top two guys in FNW, the the faces of the company right now. And um, Akeda ends up getting the win over Kanemura with the Lariat and um, Hayabusa and uh, Akeda pr pretty much end up winning the tag team titles, but they actually would never end up defending them. Uh, they would end up eventually vacating them for and eventually leading to a tag team tournament in 1999. Now, um, going into November, um, uh, just to jump ahead and give a quick spoiler, but um, Onita's going to have his final match on November 20th, um, and we're going to talk about that later. But with him um, anticipating leaving the company, he starts challenging other their, um, other stars and other their uh, companies. Uh, how did this go for him? Yeah, so he's, you know, I'm going to start my own company. I'm not going to be a part of FM. FNW, I just want FNW to work for me, pretty much. I want my FNW guys to fill my roster out. But this is my company. I'm not going to be FNW. So, hey, I'm I'm a freelancer. And, you know, I, I need to have, you know, I want to have these matches, these dream matches. I can make a lot of money doing these matches with these dream opponents and everything. So he fits, kind of sends a filler out to, or flyer, you know, essentially, or, hey, All Japan, you want me on your shows? I'll wrestle, you know, Giant Baba or Kawada or Masawa and everything. Hey, New Japan, I'll wrestle Hashimoto or Shoshu or, you know, Sasaki or or whatnot, and New Japan bites on this. And hey, okay, you want to come in? In we have a Tokyo Dome show coming up in November, you know, in January on January fourth. You'll help draw us because they're being affected by the bubble burst. Also, um, New Japan, you know, is getting hit. Also, FNW, All Japan, everyone's taking a hit, and so they got a big show coming up in January. And Onita has proven as a draw, you know, a previous history is a draw, even though right now not that big of a draw. But you know, maybe this dream match in this scenario. Um, you know, going forward, where Onita takes on top New Japan stars at, on dome shows can make some money. So, um, yeah, so they had New, uh, Onita appear on November 18th at New Japan. He runs into the crowd and uh, gets the mic and challenges uh, Riki Choshu, who was retired at this point. And Onita's, you know, I want a match with you, Choshu, and everything. Let's have this match. I want, you know, I want to show you that I'm better than you and, you know, the deathmatch style is better than the strong style and everything. And Choshu's like, I'm retired. I'm not having a match with you, but I'll send you my, I'll send off my, I'll send my student to, you know, to kill you instead. Uh, Kinsuke Sasaki. And so, 
um, Onita versus Kinsei Sasaki is made for January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. Awesome. And, um, th- you know, his style of doing that, it really reminds me of the way Tremont called him out a couple years ago. You know, just you just keep calling him out and you call him a bitch, basically, for not taking your challenge. Anyway, so on, uh, so FNW. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also, I mean, well. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I mean, Onita wanted that. I was gonna say, Onita wanted that match with CCW. He wanted to wrestle in America, and then New Japan. You know, they wanted Onita. They needed a draw. So, you know, it works both ways and everything. They weren't, you know, New Japan wasn't gonna just have Onita. You know, hey, I'm, I want the match. I want the match. And they weren't just gonna give him the match just because he wanted. But they felt like, hey, we can make money at this match. Yeah, um, I have a. Th- well, we'll talk about that. Is he because. Onita will keep going to different companies as time goes on, but I have a theory about that. Anyway, so on November 6th, uh, FMW, they ran Kuroken Hall, uh, if you want to go over that for us. Yeah, this show is not much of a show. Um, it drew announced 1950, 1,950 fans. So um, this is, you know, did not make them that much money, if you know, if any money at all. I mean, I'm guessing it, it was way lower. Um, you know, the Corrigan Hall hit is kind of around this time period it's it's starting to affect them financially and everything um i mean it's the very very beginning of it though but i I mean this wasn't broadcasted as on pay-per-view or anything like that either because the yokohama bunker gym show was in two was two weeks later so this is um this is a uh fnw six-man street fight tag team title match with koto fuyuki koji nakagawa and yukihiro kenamura defeating hayabusa daisuke akeda and miki fuji um, you know, just a, a straight fight, and Fuyuki ends up getting the win over Ricky Fuji. Um, the big thing afterwards is um, their, the Team No Respect team has presented the the, tag, the straight fight tag team titles, and they end up just laying them down on the mat and then doing like a praying symbol, like uh, like a, you're at a funeral, and like you're praying for the demise of uh, because the Def NW six man street fight titles are now dead. So they are no longer going to use the six man street fight tag team titles. Um, they would actually end up giving the titles, two of the titles to Onita for leaving FMW. That was his present uh, for leaving FMW for everything. Um, Kanemura would actually end up keeping his title. It's still at his house right now. But the other two would end up going to Onita. But they would no longer use the six man street fight uh, tag team titles after this match. And then on November 15th, um, uh, Fuki Gun, they ran a very interesting show that you can go over for us. Yeah, they've been do- they actually started doing this a couple times um, around this time period. Um, they held one on October 24th. Um, they called them come out and play matches. And um, so, I mean, it was a success. They did them for, um, from pretty much October to December or so. Um, like I said, it was a success one or two times. And I think after the third time, they decided, all right, we wound up the well t- one too many times. But essentially, they're tag team matches um, that keep going. So for this show on November 15th, it's, you know, Fuyuki, Nakagawa, Yukihiro Kano, Jado and Ghetto um, taking on Hayabusa, Hizagatsu Oyo, Riki Fuji, Flying Kirichihira, Nahiko uh, Yamazaki. And um, like I said, these matches are pretty much just where, like, uh, let's you know, the first match is Kanemura and Ghetto uh, against Riki Fuji and Ichihara. Well, Kanemura ends up pinning Ichihara in this match. So then Ichihara is replaced with Hayabusa and, and everything. So essentially, um, you know, and then the match keeps going. So then, like, Hayabusa defeat Hayabusa and, um, you know, Ricky Fuji end up losing. So then, by when Ricky Fuji gets pinned, so then Hayabusa 
and Hizagatsu Oya are now a team because Hizagatsu Oya comes out and they defeat Kanemura and Ghetto when Oya pins Ghetto. So then, um, you know, there's a replacement for Ghetto and it just keeps going until there's no other guys left. And for this show, um, Fuyuki, Koji Nakagawa, and Jado were the only th- were three guys left and they would def- uh, against Hayabusa. So Hayabusa's left by himself. He works pretty much almost the entire match um, before Hi- before Jado uh, would end up KOing uh, Hayabusa after 68 minutes and um the previous month um they had a match like i said the same style match and whatnot and um on october 24th and it's like that was the debut and that match actually would end up going 75 minutes so um with ricky fuji and hayabusa defeating yuki yuki was all by himself in that match and that match went 75 minutes and it's they promoted as this is the longest match of all time no match has gone you know 65 minutes so look at this you know, look at this. This match goes forever. So, like I said, it's just kind of the style of okay, two. You know, a tag team, tag team. Loser is out. Guy gets replaced until there's no more members of the team left. And um, they would, like I said, they would call them come out and play matches. Now, um, so this, um, we have to go back in time a little bit. So, uh, on so, okay, the company they have a show on November twentieth in. Yoko Kohama uh, and um, signed for the match uh, a month ago was going to be um, Onita versus uh, Pogo, but then uh, Big Japan forced Pogo to pull out and a lot of other things. Um, I'll let you kind of go over this, but what is the timeline for getting this match to uh, you know to work? Yes, yeah, so the originally announced Onita versus Pogo. This was going, hey, this is why they brought Pogo back in in September to have this match. You know, Onita versus Pogo, Onita's last FMW match and everything. It's very, it's only fitting that they have it against Pogo. You know, he has it against Pogo. Well, Big Japan goes, hey, we have shows booked in Moriaka on around this time period. Uh, he can't compete on this show. And so Onita then is originally taken out of the match, or sorry, Pogo is taken out of the match. So Onita then is scheduled to take have a three like uh, like three matches in a row. He's going to take on the team no- team zero guys. He's just going to take on uh, Yoshinori Saki, uh, Gasako, and Hideki Osaka. He's going to just have to defeat his own you know his team zero teammates for his last match so it's kind of like oh this is kind of a disappointing you know they're not gonna have onita pogo well pogo goes pogo and nakamaki go no we're quitting big japan we're leaving big japan so they hold a press conference on november 19th the day before announcing um you know they're they're um no longer with big japan they're quitting big, big japan big japan had canceled these shows and everything as a result um and pogo announces we're gonna we're gonna appear on the onita or you know again we're going to appear on the FMW show. So the day before the uh, show, it, it, it becomes Mr. Pogo versus Onita, um, you know, again, after it had been scheduled, canceled, and then rescheduled again. Um, there was also talk of uh, uh, bringing back Goto. How far uh, into talks did that go? Yeah, I mean, it just essentially went, apparently Goto would not wrestle on this show. He said, I'll wrestle Anita, but it's going to be an empty arena match. Like, I want to have another empty arena match like I had with him in 1990. FNW is going, we're not going to have an empty arena match. We're not going to, like, that makes no sense for us. We're not going to have a show that makes no money. Uh, we just want it. We just want you for this show. You know, you're a fitting opponent also after Pogo's canceled on us. You're a fitting, you know, you would fit as a good opponent. And Goto goes, nope, I'm only going to have an empty arena match with Onita. Um, and 
and oh, they go, never mind, then no thanks. Like, there's no, we want you for this show that's going to draw money, and there's no reason to have empty arena match. So that it, pretty much it went, negotiations did not go far with that. Why wouldn't he, I mean, that seems like it would be a good, a good payday for him. Like, why would he put up such a fight about it? I don't necessarily know. I do, I do know that Goto and Onita had legitimate. I mean, they still don't like each other. And so, I mean, it, it might have even been Goto going, I know they're going to say no. I, I don't want to just say no straight out, but I don't want to have this match with Onita. I don't like Onita. You know, there's still one of these issues um, for in, you know, from 1995 when Goto quit FMW because how, you know, everything that was happening and, you know, he was getting set up to fail with, the, you know, due to Onita and, you know, there was big resentment with Goto and Onita. So it might've just been his way of um, being like, I'm going to, you know, I don't want to just say straight out no, but I'll give you this option to do it. And I know you're going to say no to my, to my suggestion, because like I said, they didn't even work together, um, until two more years after, or three more years after this or so, I, Goto didn't even like appear, uh, on an Onita show until 2001. So they didn't even do business for the first, you know, two or three years after Onita left FMW because of the resentment and heat and everything with one another. Um, so like I said, just at this point, probably, um, time hadn't healed all wounds yet, um, uh, between the two with that. Um, and um, one more note before we go into the show is that um, great Kojika. Um, okay, so there was an incident. I'm not sure of the exact date. Maybe you can help with help. But um, he attacked Nakamaki on the street in front of like reporters and fans and and stuff. Um, do you know about this angle? Um, I mean, just based off of what was in the Observer and everything. And I mean, that's pretty much just how it was laid out. Was Kojika and Nakamaki got into a fight. Um, Kojika was really upset at Nakamaki leaving uh, Big Japan. I mean, I mean, it was a lot of people, and I think even Dave believed it was a work when it first happened and everything, because why would you, you know, get in a fight in the street and everything? And apparently Kojika um, beat him up and everything, even though he's an old man at this point still. Um, and But Nakamaki didn't have any fighting skills, really. And um, Nakamaki also appeared at the Yokohama show, just in the corner of, of Pogo. But, um, I mean, even Dave ended up believing that this wasn't a work after Kojika uh, filed a lawsuit, pretty much saying you, um, pulled, you pulled out, uh, you have a contract with Big Japan Pogo and Nakamaki, and I'm filing a breach contract. You 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 know, you're, you can't just quit like that. Um, so he was really upset, at least, to file, you know, pretty much file a breach of contract between the two. Uh, Pogo would come back a couple years later, never a full-time worker for Big Japan. So obviously, you know, some sides were, they made up somewhat. But um, Nakamaki would actually get end up getting a job in Onita's office um, or a little around this. Because his career is pretty much coming to an end um, around this time period. He worked for Onita shows and everything. But... Um, so going forward, uh, you know, and, and that might even been just the reason enough to quit the promotion is, Hey, Onita is offering us jobs, you know, Nakamaki can work for the office. Pogo can work Onita shows and everything. Um, so that might've been, you know, kind of the, the deal set up. I don't know exactly, you know, but that would be the only reason why he would just, they would just both quit big Japan, um, the day before I'm guessing Onita paid, offered them a lot of money. Um, and, um, Okay. So we're going to go into the show. If you want to go over the November 20th FMW show, uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, so um, the match, uh, pretty much the uh, first notable match is Hito and Goito. They take on Riki Fuji and Kaori Nakayama back on September 8th. Uh, Kaori Nakayama is the like the only FNW women's wrestler at this point on the roster. And so they have no matches for her. Um, so she has, uh, in on September 8th, she, Goito, it was a match with Riki Fuji and Ghetto, and uh, Goito's interfering, and, Ka- and Kaori Nakayama ends up... Um, uh, coming in and delivering a DDT to Go Ito, so this sets up this tag this tag match with Hito and Go Ito, and they come out and uh, after Go Ito and Hito come out, it's revealed that Keo- Keoruko Arai is with Go Ito, so he kidnapped her back on August in August, and now she comes out with Go uh, you know and Go Ito has made her fall in love with him and everything, so she's now with uh, you know the Team No Respect group and everything. Uh, uh, Hito and Goito defeat Riki Fuji and Kaori Nakayama when Ito pinned um, Nakayama with a uh, pile driver. Um, so then, um, and we'll go we'll probably go over it here in a minute. But um, there was supposed to be some ECW talent to show up. Chris Candido and Bam Bam Bigelow were supposed to show up. Both would end up no showing um, for different reasons. Um, so they would end up kind of having to scramble around, and they'd make this match: uh, Jado Ghetto, Taka Michinoku, and Shoshi Funaki from WWF. They come back. Um, they're already in Japan for the Battle Arch Big Show uh, three days later. So they compete against Daisuke Kato and Riki Fuji, Muhammad Yone, and Naihiko Yamasaki. Uh, Ghetto pins uh, Yamazaki with a frog splash. Um, due to the Bam Bam Bigelow um, no-show, uh, Sabu gets brought in at the last minute, and so does the one-man gang. Um, so they have a three-way match. Sabu, Yukihiro, Kanemura, and one-man gang. They get gang out of there pretty soon, and Sabu and Kanemura have a pretty good match. Um, with Sabu getting the win, I believe, with a flying drop kick, or flying leg drop um, over uh, over Kanemura. Um and then uh, Mr. Ganasuke makes his return. Um, he comes out now in black, like a black monk and everything. So he's kind of like a dark monk character and everything with the, like the Shinzaki gimmick, except in all black. And he defeats uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda. He delivers a fire thunder and then um, and then uh, comes up with his new finisher, which is kind of like the stranglehold that Shinzaki would use. But instead, it's behind the back. And he's doing like the prey symbol and the, like the Nirvana strangle lock. And so, um, you know, that's going to be his new character. He's now a monk, uh, like a dark, dark monk and everything. This gimmick does not get over. And I, like I mentioned that it's the fans are chanting, Ganaske, Ganaske. Well, this gimmick did not get over from the start. Um, you know, fans, it's kind of this awkward time period where, you know, this isn't 1993 where the heels are hated and whatnot. And fans, kind of like some of the heels, especially the, how the team no respect guys were, um, you know, being funny and everything. Well, you know, the fans kind of liked Ganaske as heel. They weren't, they didn't hate him. So when they were super excited to see him, you know, he got a face re- re- reaction, but now he's playing a heel and he's not even doing any of the team no respect stuff, which I'm sure is because to prevent him from getting, um, you know, cheers and everything. But as a result, he's not getting any any heat at all so it's just silence and everything so he ends up defeating Kuroda afterwards Kanemura who is uh, doing color commentary comes to the ring and you know like I may mention you know Kanemura and Ganesuke were bickering and Ganesuke le- and back in May and Ganesuke just left well Kanemura's going hey what, what's, what's your deal are you with us are you with Team No Respect are you you know still with us you're you know now you got this new character and everything and Ganesuke just walks away without saying a word so Ganesuke is split from Team No Respect 
Um, as Sushi Onita takes on Mr. Pogo, uh, Mr. Pogo comes out with uh, Shoji Nakamaki, like I mentioned. And um, this is the Onita Pogo match. It's their last ever singles match. They have the match they want to have. Onita is not over at all with this crowd. Um, you actually see some fans. The very opposite of the way that he left, you know, he retired in, in May 95. Now the fans are, you know, turn, have turned on Onita and everything. Um, he's not getting any, you know, he's not got much of ovation, um, just kind of silence. Pogo does a fireball during this match. It's not a good match at all. I mean, it never really was a good match. Now here they are a couple years older, and there's no crowd reaction, and, um, and Onita tries to do this pile driver through the table and it doesn't break. And like I said, it's just not a good match at all. Um, Onita would finally end up getting the win. Um, he ends up, well, I believe just like he, uh, a bulldog essentially just, but with his hand over the head instead, just kind of like this running bulldog type move and gets the win over Pogo uh, in his last match. And like I said, the crowd's not even really reacting or anything like that. Um, Pogo, or Onita ends up going into the crowd, trying to get him, trying to get them to react to like, Hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm one of you, you know, and still just nothing really some fan, you know, some fans are, have their arms up and whatnot, but it's nothing like, I mean, this isn't 1995 at all. Um, and this, nobody believes it also that, you know, this is promoted as Onita's last FMW match and nobody believes it. And this would turn out to be Onita's last FMW match ever. And, um, then, um, Hayabusa, uh, he debuts his new uh, white jacket costume um, for this match. It's a new look that he has, and he defends his um, FMW double titles against Koto Fuyuki. Um, I may mention earlier that there wasn't really any great matches. This is the one great match during this time period. I mean, it's still not even at the level of some of those matches earlier in the year, but this is the one really good, you know, four-star type match. Um, Hayabusa and Fuyuki really work well together in this match. Um, Fuyuki debuts a muscle buster, which at the time, 20 years ago, looked really impressive. Now it's done all the time, but it was a really impressive move. Um, and Fuyuki would end up just, uh, like I said, I mean, Hayabusa would do this awesome dive, over, or he'd jump on the top rope and do a dive to the outside. Um, and But eventually... Fuki would end up getting the clean win over Hayabusa with a couple of uh, running, char like charging lariats, and finally putting Hayabusa away. And so now Kodo Fuki has won the FNW double titles. Um, you know, and Team um, No Respect is celebrating and everything. And uh, Fuki uh, gets on the mic and proclaims that, you know, these title belts are ugly. And, you know, I'm going to come up with my own title belts because these two titles are ugly. I want to get I don't even want these title belts. So, so um, that's the beginning of the end of, of the double titles. He still would have them for a couple more months and whatnot. They'd still be used or, or whatnot for about six more months. But the idea of coming up with a new title belt or whatnot has been put in place around this time period. And like I said, so. This is kind of the the, the simple, and this show, by the way, did about um, legitimate three thousand nine hundred and thirty three fans. They announced fifty nine hundred. Um, Dave believes that it was uh, uh, was forty nine hundred, which would be a sellout. Um, but I've been told it was three thousand nine hundred and thirty three fans, um, and the goal was four thousand, which they never drew this well again at Yokohama. So I mean, it was the most successful show around this time period at Yokohama, but it just missed their goal of four thousand fans total. Um, so like I said, it was it was a successful show, but it wasn't as successful as they were hoping, just by a little bit.
Okay, so let's cover the events of the, the 20th before we go on to the 21st because there was a lot of stuff that happened on the 21st, but it's all going to coalesce. Um, how was Onita's send-off treated? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too – I mean, it wasn't like uh, – again, the fans weren't even that into Onita at this point, and, you know, some of them are flipping him off and everything, giving him the bird. And so, um, I mean, it's – but there's always that belief of oh, Nita's lying. He's gonna come back and everything. So as far as an actual standoff, I mean, semi-main event defeating Mr. Pogo. I mean, it's kind of like no, it's not great, but good enough. And I mean, they gave him the two street fight tag titles as a reward. I mean, that's not anything really. But again, I mean, it's just kind of one of those like uh, they're they're sick of Onita, and you know, the next day everything's gonna come come to a climax, and you know, and everything's. And this isn't, you know, this Onita working relationship and his ideas, this, this just not working for MW anymore. So um, I guess we can move on to the, the next day. On November 21st, they hold a meeting with the talent and um, they address the elephant in the room. And I'll let you just go over what happened here. Yes. So this is a big occurrence um, that Shoshi Arai wrote about in his book and i it's actually so insane that i didn't even believe it and tricky fuji about it and he's like yeah it happened so because i was just because there are some lies in shoshi arai's book um so i like i said i couldn't believe this actually happened so what happened was shoshi arai re was so nervous about telling onita we're not going to work for you anymore we're done working we're like we're ending our relationship pretty much full-time with you and everything we're not going to send fnw guys to uso shows going forward or anything like that other than you know what's already announced and whatnot um so they all you know awry is so scared of this he puts in a, a uh, life insurance plan thinking that onita is going to kill him now keep in mind later so shoshi arai puts in for millions of dollars or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars uh this life insurance plan feeling onita is going to kill him so arai is so nervous he wants all the fnw wrestlers there with him to give him the announcement and whatnot so um onita comes into the office and and also i mean he's put in a closed caption camera and everything just in case something happens hey there's proof so that's how nervous and scared of onita he is at this point and so onita walks into the office and he sees the entire fnw um roster with the shoshi arai and onita's like what's this what's going on and arai is like listen onita we're going to no, you know, we're not going to work. We're not going to send off, uh, send wrestlers to the USO promotion. Um, you know, we're in, we're we're ending ties with you. We just can't work with you anymore. Um, we're 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 splitting up. We're separating it and everything. I mean, it's pretty much like he's scared. Like it's like thinking he's divorcing Onita and everything, and he's feeling like Onita is going to be abusive and everything towards him and whatnot so he breaks the news to onita like hey we're not going to work with you anymore um and fmw is going to go in the entertainment direction and you're not going to work for fmw anymore you're you're done you're gone and onita just sits there quietly and he's like you didn't have to get the whole raw you know you had all of you had to come you know for this all of you and, you know and also a big thing was hey we're going we're all the wrestlers are showing unity with hayabusa that was the big thing the ricky fuji even mentioned that to me he's like yeah we all were showing that we're with hayabusa we're not with you onita we're going forward hayabusa is the future onita you're old you know they didn't say that but you're not the future anymore and you know we don't want to work these death matches with you anymore and stuff so like i said onita's just like you didn't have to have everyone in on this you could have just told me yourself like he has a completely different reaction than what they were thinking which was going to be going insane and all that so onita's 
gets just gets up and this is his you know i may mention this was onita's office that fw had moved into and onita had all had said like hey we're gonna have um you know you know, he, he Onita had moved, had F and W move into the office and then end up charging them more and everything than they were ex- than they were expecting and all that. So Onita ends up, um, you know, just going to the front of the office and everything, like the like the entry room or whatever. And he just sits down and he's just reading the paper and everything. And the F and W guys are just kind of like, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> that was not what we were expecting. And and then so eventually, you know, as they're kind of cleaning up and everything, and Arai is about to leave, and you know, there's Onita just sitting there, and he's like, so I expect you, you know, you you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be out of this office. I expect you to be out here soon. So uh, Rai's like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know, we we gotta leave. So F and W now has to find a new um, office and everything because they can't share need the office anymore. But the awkward part is, it still took them a little while to find the office to get an office. So they had to share this Onita office with him for a couple more weeks, and it was just so awkward. Like, imagine you know breaking up with somebody and then still having to live with them for the next month or two. And that's pretty much what happened here. Um, and so. They um, were not expecting Onita's reaction, but I mean, it was, I feel like it was kind of calculated also of like, well, what am I going to do? You know, yell at you in front of all these wrestlers and all that? No, no. All right. We're, we're breaking up. That's, you know, that's cool. So um, the Uso group would only be sent, you know, Onita's original plan was to have all the FNW wrestlers join, besides Hayabusa join him uh, for his promotion. All they would end up sending him is uh, Yoshinori Sasaki, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and Hideki Osaka for the main event um, um, for the Uso Corrigan Hall show that's coming up in December. And um, okay, so yeah, we'll we'll cover that more when we talk about that. I've got a couple of questions about that. Um, um, I'm just curious. Does Onita have a crew? Does he have like a little group of guys who follow him, and they're like you know his little diehard crew? Yeah, well, he has his office and everything. So he has Sambo Asako. He has Shoji Nakamaki. Pogo's not part of his crew, but Pogo's business partners with him and everything. Um, you know, he's he, Onita's close with all the FNW women that are now gone. Combat Toyota, Megumi Kudo, Shark Tashia, and all that. All the former women wrestlers, they're all with him and everything. But as far as, like, they're all aligned with him and whatnot. But as far as... As you know, his his guys, yeah, it's, it's Nakamaki, it's Sambo, it's um, you know, just guys that he is um, Ichihara Yaguchi, um, you know, things like guys like that are his crew. Um, and uh, just to close out the month, um, we haven't talked about IWA in a while. Um, the the big news there is that they've actually been using uh, Terry Funk uh, for a for a little while now. Um, how is IWA drawing with Funk, and how is Funk doing with uh, the company? Well, they did. Um, they brought in Funk for Great Kabuki's uh, tour or retirement tour in September. Great Kabuki was retiring; he would eventually come back, but he retired um, as a full-time wrestler in September '98. So this was Funk agreeing to come in for Kabuki's Great, uh, you know, his retirement tour and everything. And so they have the normal um, wild, crazy brawls and everything. None of these matches um, made tape. I believe you know just one show out of this tour even made a handheld um, recording and everything. And so, um, I mean, I haven't seen these matches, but um, as far as description and everything, it's just the the funk IWA brawls and everything, you know, that you saw a couple years earlier and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, and then so afterwards, funk would end up not getting paid what he was promised. So I'm going to guess 
IWA Japan wasn't, I mean, IWA Japan, we talked about this before, like, you know, this was a restart of the company from years earlier. So this was great Kabuki and Kaisuke Yamada starting up a new company under the IWA Japan name. And, you know, they didn't have the money that the uh, Asano, but, you know, that, that, you know, the Mick Foley and the Terry Funk IWA Japan from 94, 95 had Quinones and whatnot. So this is, is um you know I, I as far as the shows you know they weren't big time money hits or anything like that even with Terry Funk um just because IWA Japan is such a small promotion at this point and them running Corgan Hall and running a full on tour and everything um so they only pay Terry Funk half of what he was promised so he was pretty upset about that and he you know goes I'm gonna I want to go back to FMW then FMW always paid me back you know paid me what I was promised I was making fifteen thousand dollars you know back then and everything when I would tour with them well FMW they can't afford Terry Funk either at this point so. Nothing would end up happening, and Terry Funk, um, I, I mean, I believe in, you know, 99. I don't even remember any having him, him having any matches in 99. Um, so, you know, he would end up just, you know, not coming back to Japan until, uh, actually, I guess, later with FNW, he'd run, uh, the he'd work the Yokohama Arena show in November 99, but that's completely different. Hey guys, uh, we took a little break, and I know for you guys it was five, it was five seconds, but for us it was a full day. And uh, uh, Brett came up with some new stuff. Uh, go, so uh, we're gonna go back, and we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of revision about the coverage we did about Onita leaving, and specifically the August, or I'm sorry, the November 21st meeting that we uh, went over. So. Um, uh, Brett, I'll just let you kind of go over it. So um, the first thing that I wanted to ask was, um, we talked about how um, the original plan was for Uso to be a separate group of FMW that just wouldn't feature Hayabusa. Uh, what Now, what did you learn? So what were the original plans for uh, Uso? Yeah, that still was the plan. Uso was going to be Onita in, uh, like, FMW with Onita and... Um, F and FMW was going to be Hayabusa with you know just without Onita and Onita his long term plan was he wanted um, you know the, for the brands to be separate and all the uh, pretty much it would hurt FMW and then in the storyline Arai would be like Onita please come back we're, we're dying with Without you, please, we need you back in FMW. So, and then Onita would would go no, 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 and then finally decide to come back and save FMW. He'll be the he would be the top guy and everything. So again, it was just kind of this plan of putting himself even back in front, uh, even above Hayabusa, because look, FMW couldn't survive without Onita, and um, also Onita wanted the wrestler, all the wrestlers to you know, join his group. And if any of them had refused, he wanted a ride to fire them on the spot. So that was, so it was just more, you know, again, you asked about, you know, the long-term plans of Uso, you know, same plans, but long-term wise, it was Onita comes back to FNW on top. And um, were those Onita's plans or were those also plans uh, by the FMW office? That was Onita's plans. He wanted Arai to do it. Hey, Arai, you need to do this. And then when they had the meeting um, on November 21st, that's when Arai's like, we're not doing this, sorry, and uh, we want you out. And also, before the um, before the meeting, I may mention about Arai putting a life insurance plan. The exact amount that he put in was $1.5 million on his life uh, out of the fear of possibly Onita killing him. Oh, and were the... Were these fears uh, based on anything? Just the way how Onita was, um, you know, how he'd go crazy and just start screaming. 
aiming and everything. And so that's why it was such a, a kind of a shock when he just kind of took it so passively when, hey, we want you out. They were expecting him to, you know, start throwing chairs and I'm, you know, so angry and everything. Whereas he just was like, all right, um, I'm out of here type thing, you know, kind of that attitude. I, I can't win against this. And, you know, he, um, so that was, you know, so he, there, you know, like I said, there was that fear, but, you know, I mean, it was the exact opposite of what had happened, what ended up happening. I, I just have so many questions, but I don't even know what they might be, but that's just, that's like, that's crazy. Um, Okay, um, any other, uh, before we go on to December, are there any other notes from this, uh, this moment that you want to go over? No, that was, um, that was pretty much it. Like I said, it was just, that was kind of a rise big moment of, I got to let you go, Onita, finally. You know, because the whole thing was Onita, one, you know, he was always, it was, this was, FMW was Onita's creation. Arai felt indebted to him. So we always gave in to Onita and let Onita do what he wanted. And it, at a point, it just got to a point where this can't ha keep going on. And the FNW wrestlers are getting upset. And so this was a rise big moment of uh, Onita, we got to let you go. You got to move on. Uh, you know, you, you do your own thing. We're going to do our own thing going forward. Um, and um, I don't mean to ask, you know, I'm, you know, I don't mean to ask the same question, but in the meeting, you know, I'm guessing there's probably 30 or 40 people there. Is there anybody that stands up and is with Onita on this? No, they all were together for Hayabusa. And that was the thing. This meeting was actually, you know, to, for Hayabusa. The wrestlers were siding with, we want to go with Hayabusa going forward. We don't want Onita. Um, you know, it was all the FNW wrestlers besides Masato Tanaka, Fuyuki, Jado, and Ghetto. Everyone else was there. And they were all on Hayabusa's side because they felt like, hey, Hayabusa's the future. Onita's the past. Um, you know, this company needs to be focused on Hayabusa. And with Onita there always messing with things to try and become the number one, you know, kind of get that spot back over Hayabusa, you know, it's going to keep damaging Hayabusa. Um, and they were all, you know, they were all close with, with Hayabusa. They were friends with Hayabusa. Onita was, you know, someone they worked with. Hayabusa was their friend for the most part. And so they went with Hayabusa feeling this was the better, you know, this was a better decision for FMW. Okay. Well, uh, okay, so that is the sun setting on Onita in FMW officially. Uh, kind of sad, and and I I think I told you this. I don't know if it says on air or off, but I I don't know. I I want to see a movie about this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, um, so okay, going on to December. Uh, the first bit of news that I just wanted to kind of go over because this guy will come up a little bit later on in a couple years. But um, Adult Video News, a pornographic trade magazine in America. Uh, they made a note that Rob Black was attempting to get into the wrestling uh, uh, business first by um, he was training to become a wrestler, and then he was telling people that he was going to buy a stake into um, um, ECCW, and uh, he was telling people that he was friends with Paul Heyman and such. Um, if you want to just kind of introduce us to Rob Black and give us a little bit of info about um, his legacy... Yeah, pretty much. He was just, um, you know, like you said, he, he worked for the adult video industry. He um, after, he wanted to get an ECW. It never ended up happening. So he started his own company, XPW, in California, kind of having the same hardcore, extreme 
Extreme Wrestling um, was not good at all. Uh, they actually tried to get a deal with Onita to have a exploding match uh, with Onita and Sabu in the like around 2000, 2001. That was never going to happen. Yeah, I think it was 2000. And then um, after that, they actually partnered with FMW in late 2000, and they brought in some XPW guys uh, for like, mid-card, undercard, hardcore matches and, and whatnot. So they it was pretty much just kind of a ECW, um, you know, pretty much just a copy and not as good. And it's not remembered as anything either because it was not good at all. And um, probably the best thing that our best, best known thing about Rob Black also is the fact that he ended up, um, he, uh, one of the wrestlers ended up sleeping with his wife. And so he ended up getting uh, that wrestler's, uh, I think his thumb cut off or one of his fingers cut off as a result. Yeah, it was uh, Messiah. Two guys came in. They were trying to cut his, you know, his dick off, and they cut off one of his thumbs. Uh, he also went to prison for obscenity charges. He's a really scumbag kind of guy. But um, um, I and I do want to say, you know, I used to watch them because they came on ECCW. Um, or I'm sorry, they were on after in my market, and I would watch it. And they actually showed the Hayabusa Onita cage match. Because uh, they were building up, you know, they claimed that Onita was going to have an explosion match. This would have been in 2001, probably. But we'll cover that when we get there. But, um, yeah, that's XPW in a nutshell, basically. Um, so, also around this time, um, you wrote about this, and I'm really curious about this. Uh, you wrote that Masato Tanaka, he returned to Japan around this time. Now, um, in his time period there, because I was a huge fan of his... Um, I think his biggest claim to fame was him and Balls Mahoney. They defeated the Dudleys for the ECCW Tag Team Titles at November 2, remembered 1998. He kicked out of the 3D. I mean, he got a pretty good push, but you wrote that um, various people were very unhappy with the way he was treated. Uh, what do you mean by, uh, by that? It was just a pay situation. Um, I know that he... Uh, and I mean, he looks back at this time as, as a positive. So I mean, it, it couldn't have been that bad. But I think he, it was just pay situation. He was um, having to stay in in uh, crummy hotels or whatnot. Sabu was kind of pretty much having to take care of him in the sense of financially helping him out because he just wasn't getting paid. What um, he, and FMW was upset over Tanaka's uh, payment when they found out, and he wasn't getting paid what they had promised him um, going, you know, while working in ECW. So it was just, and he, but he ended up staying the whole rest of the month. I mean, the whole, his turn, his time. And, um, you know, he was, the plan was for him to stay the rest of 1998 and come back in 1999. Um, and so that's what happened. But I know ECW had set up a match with, um, to have him in 1999, the guilty as charged January 99 pay-per-view and, and FNW is like, Nope, we're cutting that off. You, we, we told you, we give him, we, we'd let you have him uh, up until, you know, January 1st. And, and we're bringing them back. So to ECW tried to keep bringing in Tanaka, keep the deal going longer. But FMW, after they kind of heard what happened as far as payment, how he kind of wasn't, you know, he like I said, he was living in, or staying in really, you know, like nothing, nothing motels and everything. I mean, a lot of the ECW guys were doing that though, also. But um, you know, so once FMW heard about that, and there was also issues that we'll probably go here over in here in a second um, with the FMW ECW relationship around this time period. So FMW pulled him back and was like, "Nope, you're you're coming back home." Um, I'm just like um, you uh, you. So um, another thing, um, did this ever come up in that like when he was there, um, he was mostly paired with uh, Balls Mahoney, and 
you know, he's known for taking the sickest chair shots I think anyone has ever seen. Was that, I mean, like, how did that fly when, you know, in in Japan he was wrestling basically normal matches that were, you know, brawls and such, but, in, you know, in America he's really taking some serious punishment. Did that have any any part in that? No, not that I've heard of. I mean, he was willing to take those bumps, and, I mean, that's just a personal choice that he was willing to make. Um, he's willing to make, the, you know, he did bumps like that with Mike Awesome, maybe not to that exact level, um, but he would take the chair shots to the head. And this is, you know, 1998. There's, this isn't, you know, CTE is not very well known or, you know, concussions and whatnot. They're not thought of as much like they are today. So, um, so he was, I mean, it's just a personal choice that he's willing to make. I mean, I feel like he'd still make that choice today, even if you, if you said, Hey, we're going to do this. So, I mean, but that's just Tanaka being Tanaka. What he, he's just, he's kind of down for whatever style of match you want to have with him. So, I mean, like I said, I don't think FNW was, I don't think that got um, them upset. It was over other stuff. Um, two things about that real quick before we go on, actually Lance Storm said on a podcast that he used to help Tanaka after matches and he would talk about how you know after some of the matches he was obviously you know he had some serious head you know he was obviously concussed and dizzy and everything so Lance Storm has made comments about that as well and um the other thing is uh Paul Heyman he was on the the Steve Austin podcast once and he just gave this thing where he goes Steve who knew that taking a chair shot was that dangerous and <laughs> it, it, it's just a funny thing to say. So, um, December 11th, uh, Uso ran Kuroken Hall, and then on the 12th and 13th, FMW ran. Um, so before we go into the Uso so, so show, um, I'm just curious, um, who are the people behind Uso with, like, the money? Where are they getting the rings? And what is the talent? And if you want to just kind of go over this show for us. Yeah, um, it was so. This was actually a big time flop as far as financially and everything. To where Onita just and with all the whole thing with Onita and FNW and it not working out like it was supposed to. Onita would end up just scrapping the whole idea after this show. Um, this show did not make tape um, or anything like that. But pretty much the the main thing. I mean, as far as promoters, all I know is Onita and I'm guessing you know a local promoter in Tokyo or something like that. Um, but I don't really have too much information about the um, the show itself, other than um, Onita brought in a lot of the old FMW uh, women wrestlers. Um, they had a battle royal. He wanted Megumi Kudo in the match, and Megumi Kudo refused. She was not going to break her retirement vow. Um, she's probably the only one to never actually wrestle a match afterwards. Um, Onita was pretty upset over that, but he had to just take what he could get, and that was uh, Kudo being the referee of the Battle Royal. And um, the main event was Onita and Yoshinori Sasaki taking on Hideki Osaka and Tetsuhiro Kuroda. So there still was, you know, some FMW involvement. They let, you know, these three FMW guys, the, you know, the Team Zero group, um, you know, wrestle the show. And then I think about three months later, Onita ran another show and Kanemura and Tanaka had a barbed wire match with Onita. And then after that, it was just completely nothing to do with Onita afterwards. Um, but so FNW let these three guys have them uh, have be in the main event match. And it's a typical street fight brawl and everything. And um, Onita ends up getting the win, I believe. And then, um, you know, afterwards, he just does his kind of Onita theater. He ends up going outside the Tokyo or Corrigan Hall into Tokyo Dome City 
city and he's walking and all the fans are coming out with him as he's doing his preaching and his talking and everything talking about um you know his match with Kinsuke Sasaki so at this point you know FMW is is completely he's done with FMW um he's going to go forward and like I said he after Uso is was finished he scrapped the whole idea and he just started the promotion called Onita Pro he was going to fund the show that you know his promotion himself with some backers and everything um but you know, this was like I said, just Uso was his his thought of coming up with a new FNW, his whole angle, but it just did not. You know, after this show was a bomb, he just scrapped the whole idea and went forward. Just don't need a pro. Um, okay, and then um, on December twelfth and the thirteenth, FNW they ran Kuroken Hall, and these will be their final shows for the the year. Um, there was a lot of ECCW involvement, so um, if you want to just go over the shows for us. Yeah, so I just wanted to make mention, uh, we, um, back in November, the, so right now the FNW-ECW relationship is pretty strained um, because back in November, what really started it was um, Bam Bam Bigelow and Chris Candido were supposed to appear on the Yokohama Bunk and Gym show. Well, Bam Bam Bigelow ended up going to EC, or WCW earlier in the month, like around November 2nd or so, so about two and a half weeks before the show, the FNW show, Bam Bam Bigelow is out. He goes to WCW. So nothing really ECW can do, but FNW had already booked Bam, Bam you know, promoted Bam Bam Bigelow. The big one that really upset them, though, kind of was Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch were supposed supposed to appear on the show and FNW's already bought these plane tickets you're you know these wrestlers supposed to come um you know at least they kind of had a little bit of knowledge as far as Bam Bam Bigelow sh not showing but Chris Candido just never showed up and you know this is the they're finding out the day of the show wait where's Chris Candido and it's not even so much Chris Candido it's they wanted Sonny they wanted Tammy Sitch um that was kind of a big a big um you know marketing thing and hey you can meet Tammy Sitch before the show take pictures with her um the Japanese crowd loved loved her um so that was a big that really upset them and especially you know it was really just Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch were um you know the dark period of their time with drugs and everything and they just no showed just didn't get on the plane and everything so I think and I think that was it for them in ECW as well around um, this time period. Yeah. Can I can I ask you a question? So so this is just kind of a um, uh, a general question. Are Japanese companies aware of the drug problems that are going on in the business in America? Yeah, I'm sure, but they don't know the detail. It's kind of one of those things of yeah, we know it exists. And I mean, and and there's some, you know, it somewhat exists in um, Japan as well. I mean, you know, marijuana is so strongly against, you know, it's so strong. Um, there, you know, the laws and everything. But then wrestlers still do it, and some wrestlers still get caught with, you know, caught doing it and stuff. Arashi from War, you know, he got caught with with marijuana and stuff. So there's still, you know, it's still there in Japan, even though it's not the level like it is in America. So I'm sure they know, um, you know, somewhat. They have kind of an idea, especially when you hear ECW and just. When, and, and whatnot, you, you kind of know, but they don't know the level of, hey, these late night parties where all the wrestlers are doing these hard drugs and everything. Like, they're not going to know that. Okay, cool. Um, well, not cool. Um, and then, yeah, recently, I mean, no, Nozawa, he, he, he served time in prison for it. And uh, recently, uh, Ayato yeah. Hamada, she's, you know, I don't know the full details, but, you know, the story is if she had Adderall that wasn't prescribed to her and she's being charged with like meth amphetamine charges so japan is very um uh however you want to put it maybe they're behind behind the the times maybe they're ahead of it i don't know but yeah japan's very hard on the drugs so um if you want to okay so i'm sorry to cut you off so if you want to keep going yeah. with the show no so anyway so 
yeah, so those two uh, did not show up for the uh, Yokohama show. Um, Sabu ended up coming in um, as a replacement, like I said, one-man gang and everything. So anyway, so then this leads to December with uh, the ECW guys coming in. They brought in uh, Shane Douglas. They brought in get or sorry, they brought in Shane Douglas. They brought in the Dudley Boys. Um, they brought in Tommy Dreamer. They brought in Sabu and Rob Van Dam and everything. Um, so this show, this this show was just kind of they had clips and everything that aired. Uh, Douglas defeated Ghetto um, in an ECW uh, World Title match. This was specifically to air on ECW television. So Paul Hammond can be like, Hey, look, the ECW title is a world title. It's be defended across the world um, by no means and the thing was none of these matches were really any good uh, the Dudley boys um, defeated Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Gasaku this match wasn't taped but I remember re reading reviews how the Dudley boys got really frustrated with Gasaku during the match how he was kept screwing up and everything and after this time period um, Gasaku got let go from FMW so I don't know if there was some issues with you know personal issues going through with Gasaku he's had a lot of issues through his life um, and this might have been one of them, so, but he was let go after this um, after this tour. Um, and like I said, the Dudley Boys were really frustrated how he wasn't being able to cooperate in the match. Um, and then um, the main event was Sabu and Rob Van Dam taking on Hayabusa and Tommy Dreamer. Um, this was nothing really of a match. Um, Tommy Dreamer was in was in the ring for the mo uh, for the most part. Hayabusa just did a couple spots, um, and then uh, Van, Dam Van Dam getting the win over uh, Tommy Dreamer. And before this show, FNW announced um, they were going to have a over-the-top uh, tournament, 16 wrestlers, single elimination. The winner gets a shot at Cody Fuki's uh, FNW uh, double title. So this show just pretty much had about four matches um, on, you know, uh, with the first round matches pretty much for the tournament. And then uh, um, the... But, uh, and December 13th, and both these shows were sold out, by the way, um, at Corian Hall. So uh, the, sem the semifinal matches um, and the um, the quarterfinal matches ended up taking place on this show. Um, and some of the semifinal matches on December 13th were um, were Mr. Ganesuke defeating Yukihiro Kanemura. We went over in November how Kanemura was really upset over Ganesuke leaving Team No Respect. So Kanemura jumps Ganesuke right away, attacks him. He's pissed off. This is a blood feud now, and they have a bloody match with uh, Ganesuke and Kanemura both juicing, both bleeding all over the place. And and uh, Ganesuke, he's you know he's back. He has the new gimmick. They're gonna go forward and give him the big push. So he gets the win. Um, and one of the other matches, semifinal matches, was Hayabusa and Izagatsu Oya. And at this point, Hayabusa is at a level above Oya, even though they had that rivalry in '95-'96 with Oya getting a couple wins and whatnot. So Hayabusa is in the press conference. It's like when I when I win this tournament and when I you know go on to face Fuki for the double title, so being all you know confident he's gonna win. Well, Oya takes this, Oya takes exception to that. Going you know, you think you can beat me? Uh-uh, no. So in this match, Hayabusa has the control of the match until Hi Oya ends up um, pretty much just backsliding him and getting a roll-up win. Um, so it's like this big shock. Hayabusa, like, his eyes are wide and everything. He can't believe it. he just lost to Oya, and now he doesn't get the double, you know, he ha he's not going to win the tournament. He's not going to get the double title uh, shot after he, he, you know, felt like he was the number one guy. So this was to kind of push Oya going forward. Um, Oya's, you know, pointing at him, being like, I told you so. You thought you could beat me, and I, I knew I could beat you. Um, you know, so there was that match. Uh, Shane Douglas uh, defeated Tommy Dreamer for an ECW world title. Um, That's just pretty much, again, to establish the ECW title. Um, 
as in Japan and you know as a world title. Um, and then also Sabu and Rob Van Dam defeated the Dudley Boys for the ECW Tag Team Titles. Um, again, this is just to kind of get the, get the FNW show. They brought this talent over. This is to film for the ECW TV show that week. And then um, the, the, the quarterfinal matches, Mr. Ganesuke defeated Hito in pretty much a squash. And then Hisagatsu Oya defeated Tetsuhiro Kuroda. This was, you know, Kuroda you know, got to the third round pretty much. This was, hey, it's a slow push for Kuroda. They want to try and, try and make him one of the top guys in the promotion. They, they like his charisma. They like his look. They like his work rate. So, but, you know, he's not ready. Yet by any means, so um, Oya ends up getting the win over Kuroda. So then the, uh, sets up Mr. Ganasuke versus Hisagatsu Oya uh, for the finals on January 5th. So, uh, like I said, both these shows were financial su uh, successes. You know, it was still kind of uh, ECW was still a draw and everything for FMW, especially Sabu and Van Dam and you know Tommy Dreamer and everything. So. Um, you know they were able to fill out fill up Corrigan Hall here um, and sell the shows out and everything. So both these shows were considered a success. But like I said, this was pretty much the end of the FNW ECW relationship at this point. They would work together again um, about nine months later. But um, after this show, uh, FNW pretty much like I said pulled Tanaka away from them, and we want nothing to do with you for the time being. Um, I'm just curious if you know did I uh, uh, did um. Heyman ever go on these shows? He went to the 1997 tour. Um, okay. He appeared uh, that that on the first couple shows of. Uh, well, he appeared on the very first show in Dece on December 19, 1997. Uh, he, he came out and did a promo, and Mickey Fuji translated for him and everything. And um, after, and backstage he met with Onita and talked with him. I think that was kind of the beginning of let's get this exploding ring match. Uh, thing going in ECW. Let's uh, let's. So I think that was the beginning of the talks. Like we talked about, never happened or anything. But uh, so he went on that tour. I don't think he uh, made any appearances or showed up for the 1998 tour. Okay. Um, so that's about all the notes that I have for 1998. Um, do you have anything else to add? No, that's pretty much it. They would end up going to. Um, this was pretty much the most eventful year of 1998. Was pretty much the most eventful year for FMW. Such changes. Even you know, we, last episode we we're talking about um, all these brawls and everything. And, and like I said, there still were brawls. There still were um, a couple barbed wire matches and whatnot. But those are pretty much um, almost completely uh, extinct at this point. And going forward, it's going to become more and more entertainment uh, purpose, uh, entertainment wrestling and um, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of changes also in 1999 also especially with the booking committee and and whatnot. And 2000 is going to be a lot of changes. It's gonna this is like time speeds up rapidly in this time period for pretty much every company in the world really. Um, well, okay. Um, what uh, if you want to just uh, close us out with what is the current news that's going on? Uh, no. Not really too much right now. Um, Super Battle FNW ran their show on May 25th. Um, it really wasn't too much the show. Um, Tetsuhiro Kuroda and Riki Fuji, two, so two FNW originals. Uh, they defeated Kazushi, Miyamoto, and Leatherface. Uh, just it was pretty much a, a standard house show match. Um, the promoter that always would always promote um, this promotion in the building, they promoted it again. And um, you know, I mean, it wasn't anything like it was even you know the year before with Onita and the exploding bar. Or exploding barbed wire, a bat match, or anything like that. This was just a street fight, um, essentially. Um, that was pretty much it. And they, as of right now, there's no shows announced. Um, 
going forward for the promotion. And then um, the only real other thing is, uh, I think we've talked about it, is WWS, and, which is Pogo's old promotion, uh, and Wing will be promoting a joint show on, on July 1st at Shinkiba, and it's going to be a Mr. Pogo memorial. The only news I have, though, is that uh, Kanemura will be on the show, but I haven't heard of anybody else other than some of the WWS guys, uh, low, which are low, low indie guys appearing on the show, but I'm sure some more stuff will come out here soon. And uh, you wrote a pretty uh, big update on your, your site. Um, I'm just wondering you know, if you want to go over it. What is Onita doing at the moment? Uh, he right now is just working. Um, he's he's working in uh, Kanazaki Saga, where he ran for mayor. Uh, he lost uh, he lost the election and everything um, back in April. He um, came in. Uh, so right now he just has a normal job um, right now in Saga, and he's just kind of waiting it out, wanting to live. You know, just going to live there for the next four years and then run for mayor again. He feels like you know, hey. I didn't win this election because I just came back. I just pretty much showed up and was like, I want to be mayor here. And he felt like that was a downfall of the election. So he's going to stay here for, you know, stay there for four years and then run again. He feels like he can win then. Um, he ended up for, so he's just got his normal job right now. Now and the job sent him, uh, had him go to Tokyo um, for the, on June 4th. So he showed up and met with some of the old his old friends, uh, Miss Mongol and Naoshi Sano and Fat Onita. Went to Fat Onita's restaurant and everything. And then um, he also did a speech in Yokohama. Um, it looked like kind of like a like a high school kind of like graduation speech. It wasn't, but it was something like that where he met with a whole bunch of high school students or college students, something like that, and um, did, a, in, did an interview with them. And then he announced at that uh, meeting that he wants to come back to wrestling in 10 years. He wants to have exploding ring match uh, at 70. So I don't believe that's going to happen. That's 10 years away. I wouldn't put much stock into it, but that's his, you know, he's already, he's planning his uh, return for 70 he wants to make those those headlines in 10 years i'm willing to put ten dollars right now i think it's going to happen i have faith okay. in him um it's funny i'm actually i'm watching uh i'm rewatching eastbound and down uh which i don't know if you've seen it. it's about a you know a, a washed up baseball player trying to get his star back and doing the show and onita constantly coming back and there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of parallels um so okay, cool. Um, and then uh, you you've uh you've got your trip set. You've got your uh your trip set, right? Yeah, I'm gonna be going to Japan. Um, we'll be I'll be arriving July second. Um, we're just staying until July four or July fifth. So we're gonna be only there. Um, me and my wife are gonna be there for only for a couple days. Uh, we're planning right now. Um, we're gonna go to the Freedom Show on July fourth at Corgan Hall, and um, we're also I'm looking into going to Mr. Danger's Matsunaga Steakhouse. Uh, that's on the agenda, and then. Um, crossing my fingers, I'm in talks with Kanemura right now to possibly set up just a meet and greet with him, just talk to him for a couple minutes or so, um, just something like that. So right now that, uh, and then everything else is going to be, um, you know, just what else out, you know, what else you can do in Tokyo type stuff. So, um, but yeah, so really looking forward to that, um, here in the next couple weeks. Awesome. Well, um, with that, I think that's about all. You know, it's funny where it, these things, like, this is our longest episode. This will be close to two hours easily. And, um, um, you know, with uh, Onita's not going away, he's still going to be doing stuff. So I think the next one's going to keep on the, the same uh, the same pace. So it's it's fun. I love this stuff. So, um, okay, uh, Brett, before we go. Um, okay, so I want to say one thing. I, I see it on Twitter all the time. 
anybody, if you want DVDs of Freedoms uh, or or um, a lot of different FMW shows, I think Brett is probably the only U.S. distributor that you can easily find pretty much every Freedoms show uh, through. So, uh, Brett, if you want to just plug your store and your site, go ahead. Yeah, I get Freedoms DVDs straight through Japan, so I get the actual hardcover DVDs and everything, and I'm willing to uh, sell the uh, copies of those, like the, the the print and everything with the DVD and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so if you just go to bahufnw.com, uh, there's a FMW library page, and I have uh, Freedoms, all, pretty much every Freedom DVD that has came out, I've been able to pick it up. Um, I have more FMW shows than anybody else. I have all the uh, sub-brands after FMW, WMF, uh, Fuki Goon, Apache Army, everything, uh, Zero One, Big Japan, I'm collecting. Um, I'm also looking into being able to where I can get it to where I can just transfer the file instead of having to do a DVD and I can just email a file. Um, that, that's coming up soon, hopefully. I'll be able to do that. So, uh, but yeah, you just go to the library page on uh, bahufnw.com and, and you'll see everything listed. And uh, you actually and, uh, made a uh, made a, a comment on Twitter that you officially bought the final FMW commercial tape, right? That you yeah. didn't have. Yeah, I collected all the FMW VHS tapes uh, from 1990 to 2001. Um, so. You know, again, those can be turned into uh, DVD cases as well. If anyone's interested, and in. I have a pictures of all the uh, of all the shows, uh, all the covers of all the VHS tapes. Um, some of them are super, super rare. Um, so I don't think there's anybody else in the world that has all of them uh, anymore. So um, for anything rare, uh, any Japanese wrestling, FNW type related stuff, I have. Um, and like I said, it's all on the library page. It's all everything's listed. Awesome. And, um, and then for anyone who wants to find, you know, wants to keep up on other maybe uh, American deathmatch news and stuff, um, I have a website, indie, uh, indie wrestling, uh, dot, excuse me, com where I just cover GCW and IWM Mid-South and Freedoms and Big Japan and whatever little deathmatch nooks and crannies stuff that I can possibly find. Just kind of collect it all there. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it. So um, with that, we will say goodbye and thank you so much. Come back for episode 21. We'll be going into 1999 where FMW has a huge shift in uh, content. And um, uh, it's going to be weird going over it, that's for sure, because some of it is off the wall. And it'll be fun to hear your your commentary, because most of it I don't understand what was going on at that time period. So, um, all right. So uh, 